0: Like haunts, yes. Do you like immersive theater, yes. Do you like escape rooms, yes. What's the safe word?
1: My haunt life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hello and welcome to the My Haunt Life podcast. I'm Mike, and I'm Russell. And Russell, we live. In and around Los Angeles.
0: Yes, this and is true. And
1: there's so much nowadays of things we like, whether it be haunts or immersive theater, interactive theater, escape rooms, et cetera, et cetera. But there was once a time when we didn't have this me- this many options. There and was it wasn't a- that long ago. Yeah. There was a time when it, the only haunts that happened in October were things like Universal and Knots and things like that. Mm-hmm. There weren't really immersive experiences Back in that time. Very true. This was even a time before blackout. Yes. Just before you and I met. The, mm-hmm. the golden years, I like to call them. <laughs> wow. Um, really?
0: <Ridley>. Already? Um, <laughs> so soon in the podcast.
1: But in 2011, something was created by a man that kind of changed the landscape. It gave people inspiration. It gave people ideas. It showed L.A. that horror and theater could, could could be combined into something beautiful and magical and entertaining. And since then, it's kind of just blown up yeah, because the immersive, of it. Yeah,
0: the immersive scene has certainly exploded in the last few years. We've talked about that on other podcasts. We've talked about that in interviews when we've talked to people. And, you know, you just mentioned horror. Um, I think so many of the immersive experiences, and I'm not talking haunts, but the immersive experiences in our area deal with really dark themes they deal with death they deal with murder and they deal with horror elements and i think you know one show can be pointed to as paving the way for all of that and
1: just bursting the doors open and that show of course is delusion absolutely and today we have a very special guest mr john braver hey How you doing? Uh, uh, Wait, um, okay. Hey, how you doing?
3: (laughs) I just ruined that whole wonderful intro. (laughs) Uh, That was very or made
1: it better.
0: Uh, True, very true. So you can do it in your serial killer voice if you'd like to. I
3: might play around with voices. I, I love voiceover stuff. So, that was a very sweet intro. Thank you very much.
2: And, and, I like that. It was
3: very like, epic too. The way you said it It was like there was a man,
1: <laughs> created. He came <laughs> from a world <laughs> with no immersive yeah. theater to change the landscape in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh, but One Mike, Mike and I were
0: <laughs> Mike and I were talking before you came over this evening, and this is this was the conversation we had. Was do you remember? It's like I remember my first time. The way I discovered Delusion was someone at work pointed me to like what is this thing? It's like I'm the theater guy at work usually. So like what you know what have you heard about this? And I said I've I've noticed the title is like I just know there's something out there called that. And, and we got a group of work people together and went. And uh, one of them is my my best friend, and you know he he and I just are the horror guys. We fell in love with Delusion, and you know we have been back every year. You have had a show.
3: You you came to the 2011 show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of us did. Yeah, yeah oh. That's that's how oh. we found you.
0: Oh, that's right. Wow,
3: that's so cool. Definitely OG. <laughs> 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 that's insane. That's 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 wonderful. Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah, it, it, I remember it. I remember it very well. Like the the very beginning of uh, stages of it. It was um, it was uh, very exciting. And um, nerve wracking because I was coming from you know a, a career in film and television, and it was it was doing pretty well with that. And then it just sort of, but this was so, something something was gnawing at me for so long, and I just was like, I, I gotta, I gotta get this out of me because I did in Chicago where I grew up. I, I used to do these little, um, these little like mini delusion kind of things, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was putting it off for years and years. But yeah, twenty eleven was interesting because it was it was. Um, it was all new. There was nothing like it. And it was, just, people were like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Like, um, I, I, I couldn't even explain it. Probably even, even it's is six seasons of it. Now even explaining it now, I still, I still have to explain it to people. Like, what is yeah. this thing? It's like, it's like, come on already. <laughs> you should, should know what interactive theater is at this point. Um, but yeah, it was, that was super cool. I remember how we even got the name because it used to be haunted play. And then we changed it to delusion. Because I heard the the word delusion on the radio driving to the show one time, and I, I changed it driving to rehearsals, and I changed it there. So that's fun. What do you remember about it? What was your uh, what are your guys sort of as guests uh, initial yeah. thought? I know you, you said you fell in love with it, but uh. Uh,
0: I think for me the fact that we entered a house, th- this mansion, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the year that you uh, entered the whole like foyer the huge with a staircase going up, correct? Right, yeah. And uh, you get the intro. Well, at the exterior of the building was sort of an intro, and you met a character, and then you walked in, and there was more of an intro in that building, and a character kind of crept up on who, at that point, I thought was going to be the lead of the play. I thought they were going to be the person we follow, and somebody crept up behind them, and then they sort of flew away. <laughs> And I just remember everyone in my group gasping because this woman literally looked up and took off in flight up two stories and we saw it live in front of us. And that was the moment I fell in love with delusion. And yeah, and it was just, it was an astounding moment because I I had never witnessed anything quite like that, literally just a few
1: feet from me. Yeah. And it, it was a magical moment. Uh, what what do you remember Mike? i mean that that was the main thing and uh, again this was a time when there wasn't anything there wasn't there might have been an instagram back then but people didn't utilize it the way it was today so because i didn't have many friends in this that were into this type of thing you know having to search this out and find it not knowing what it was right like that in itself was it was like oh my god what what is this and then because i was so used to traditional haunts like the universals like the knots Mm -hmm. like the conga lines and going here is like wait a minute where's the four thousand other people that are supposed to be like going through this (laughs) you know (laughs) and then seeing the small groups and then seeing someone up close and personal not 20 feet away just like you know fly away like up the stairs and it was just like what is this magical thing? Like, why isn't there more of this? This is incredible. I know.
3: Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. Cause yeah, that, that seems to be the recurring theme is like that moment, that specific moment of that, that character on the stairs that flew up. And I remember rehearsing that and I was like, Oh, this is going to be fun. Like we were playing with the lighting and like, making sure that you don't see the wire where you're standing and trying our best to make, to make it look like you, you know, you don't, you don't see the mechanism, but uh, it was that moment. I think when we, like I remember the very first show, like the the first people to ever experience the delusion. Like they walk in the house, and then once that character flew up the stairs, I heard all that gasping, you know, uh-huh. inside the inside the house. And it was it was that moment, like right there, was like, oh shit, yeah, we're I think we're onto something here. Like this is this this is kind of cool. And then it just sort of it just expanded from there. And that was actually because jumping ahead to the 2012 thing, because that's when Neil Patrick Harris said the same thing. So he and I co-produced it in 2012. And he said the exact same story. He's like, when that person leaped leapt up the stairs, I was mm-hmm. like, I was it. I was hooked, and that was that was super cool. So, but it's been it's been interesting. On a grander note, it's like we got there was a lot of um, a lot of talk about the stunt aspect of it, which is really cool.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But over time, I always found that, and even from the beginning, the, the stunts and the action were incorporated into the story. They were never, it was never to be a showcase. It was never, that was not, that was very purposeful. And, uh, I remember getting some like heat and what was it? 2013 or 2014, something like that. Like, Oh, there weren't as many stunts. So you, you, you build up expectations <laughs> and it's like some people, you know, we, we at 2012, if you remember that show that we just, that was nuts. There was so much shit happening, people crawling on the ceiling and flying uh-huh. all over the place. And, and then 2013 was not nearly as much. It's like, so I remember hearing about the the lack of stunts. I was like, "Come on, guys! It's not about stunts.
1: It's a, you know, it's supposed to be a cool story." So. And you got to wear a mask. <laughs> you got <laughs> to wear a mask. <laughs> That's
3: right. The church, the church show that was the worst experience of my life. Oh, it was horrible. Go on, <laughs> fucking horrible show. Yeah. We actually yeah.
0: would like to touch on that subject in particular because yeah. one of the one of the things I think people expect from Delusion now, you have this track record. Um, and I, and I, I, I want to say something that Mike just, just triggered in my brain. You know, you, you said that you weren't used to experience, you were expecting a haunt. And you got this weird intimate relationship with these characters. And yet, John, you were just describing all of these stunts that were going on. And I think that's the key, that it's an intimate feel, and then it has an epic scale at the same time. And because yeah. you tap into the characters so well, I think that's what people respond to. but let's talk about the locations you have done really fascinating shows in a variety of locations, and you've done houses, you've done a church, and what is the location you're currently in?
3: This is our first commercial space mm-hmm. um, you know hence we can carry into you know this spring season um, this is a a very classic, well-known yet not uh, nightclub called mm-hmm. Cafe Club Faito and And um, quick little note, Faito French for go to sleep, which doesn't make any sense because you're trying to keep people awake in this club. I don't know why they named it that. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's in the West Adams District, where, which seems to be the Delusion home, which is where we've done most of our shows anyway, except for the church one in Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. But this one is yeah, an old sort of decrepit theater. And uh, adjacent to it is a lounge, a really cool lounge that was big in the 80s and 90s, and now it's sort of having a resurgence with um, our show being there. We're trying to, like, shine a spotlight on this classic venue, a musical venue, by having, like, different you know, musical acts or spoken word or other kind of events over there. And so, you're, yeah, you're taken from the lounge and then brought into this weird old theater. But it's, it's very different because I actually found it um, two years ago or two and a half years ago, and I was like, this, this won't work for what we want to do traditionally. Cause this was coming from the homes that we were using. And those are about 7,500 square feet. And, um, but this place just felt really small to me two and a half years ago. And I was like, let's not do it. Forget it. And, uh, we went through a bit of the leasing process too. And I just canceled it because I found another house to do the next show at. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, years went by and like, I had a new idea for a time traveling show and then I drove by this place again. I was like, Oh, I remember that place. I, I saw that a couple years ago and, uh, it's actually close to my house too. And I was like, okay, well, this could work because it was the front of the theater. If you drive by, it's very unassuming. It's like a rundown old theater. And we just said, okay, keep it that way. Let's just keep it that way. Cause it's very much like a, like an abandoned kind of theater. So the idea of stepping into this, Place that seems that um, seems like you know it's unoccupied, and then actually moving through time. Like, imagine uh, my mm-hmm. mind was going crazy with that idea of like when you're done with the show, all the different time periods you went to, and you come back outside of the show and you stand in front of the theater. You're like, what the fuck? Oh my god, they did all that shit in there. Mm-hmm. Like all this crazy. It had this huge. I, I don't want to ruin it, but like just all this grand set design inside this place. So it it was just. You know, it's unique to the story. I guess it worked for this story. Previous hmm. ones, it just, it wasn't. Um, so that's where we're at. That was the long version of
0: it. Um, yeah, I got tickled when going through the show, and I I looked up and I realized, holy crap, I'm I'm in an old projection booth. Because oh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the projection for, for the light to hit the screen are still in the walls. They're still in the walls. And I was like, wait... Like wait, I'm I'm and then I looked around the room and I realized what you had done with the space. Like mm-hmm. wow, I I know exactly what the layout for this was when it was a projection. I was a projectionist for a while.
1: Oh, well, there you go. So that's, and that's I was just, I just
0: looked at this like I know exactly like and I know why it's the size it is and it was it was fascinating.
1: So who exactly tickled you? So was yeah. it the <laughs> actor or
0: one so, of the so did one of my patrons, people? Yeah, that's one of the Give secrets name. Of delusion. Mm-hmm. So
3: you do get tickled. One in eight people get tickled in special places. Tonight wow. and delusion, <laughs> a tickle fest. That's the next show.
0: Is that an upgrade on the cost of that ticket? <laughs> no, no, we'll do it for free for you. You come back. <laughs> wow. We'll, we'll tickle you
3: everywhere.
1: <laughs> Excellent. This will be offer. fun. You're um, right. TIP. Just the tip oh there you go wow tickled important person (sighs) it should be a special ticket oh my god the tip yeah they're like Uh, so what's
3: involved with the tip well you know you go to the show and you get you get tickled yeah every scene it's just an endless tickling i bet you those would sell though oh yeah Mm -hmm. they would (laughs) what's
1: that documentary you told me about
0: so oh the show the, the documentary tickled yeah have you ever seen the documentary tickled no, it premiered at uh, Sundance the same year that the Blackout Experiments premiered at Sundance, and I caught it there. It's an amazing documentary that plays like a thriller. It, it what's, it's about it, uh, it, a, a, <laughs> we're a t- really going to digress on this. Wow, you really brought that up. It sounds like a horror movie. The, no, the tickler. It's, it's not. It's um, it's about a journalist. Um, he also does the show Dark Tourist on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, I believe he's in New Zealand journalist who found this odd website one day he saw an advertisement for um competitive tickling and it's and he just he was going to do a feature on like hey what is this is this an erotic thing or is it like serious like are there really competitions and so he reached out and the response he got back mm. was so ridiculously over the top hate filled like how dare you even contact us sort of attitude, that immediately you do that to a journalist and they go, what's the real story? So he just decides to investigate this website and he finds, um, I I don't want to give too much away about this because seriously, I highly recommend the documentary Tickled to anyone who hasn't seen it. He finds this whole ring of competitive tickling and he traces the money, he traces the experience of the people who are involved And it becomes a thriller at lives are destroyed, people are terrorized, and it's all because he just sent this one email like, hey, what's this about? Oh my God. And the response that he got back was so ludicrously over the top that the journalist immediately knew there's a story here. And what he finds along the way is gold, like for documentary filmmaker, like he finds some stuff that you will not believe as it unfolds. And when you get to the third act of the documentary, it's like, what happens is amazing.
2: So,
3: I mean, I'll see it, but what is the, the basic rules of competitive tickling Though, Are you trying to not
0: laugh? Uh, no, it's like, uh, it's like, how long can you endure?
3: Right. Okay. Yeah. It's on. an
0: endurance thing. There's a time. Okay. Yeah. It's a time constraint. Wow so but yeah
3: that
2: fa- fascinating
0: like documentary Saturday. thank you mike for taking us down that road <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: so, you're yeah. the one who said you got tickled inside the illusion. <laughs> so, i love that there should be a
3: killer name that, the tickler though i think
1: no oh, the projectionist you were pro- uh, we're getting totally off
3: topic <laughs> is there a movie called the projectionist that sounds like a good a good like uh, i don't
0: know i know there's a movie called the editor because i'm an editor well, there you go um and you, when you said tickler i immediately went uh, um, uh, William Castle's The Tingler which has a scene where the, yeah. the projection scene where the monster breaks loose and destroys the film in the projection booth of the theater that you're in. Oh. No, but somebody should do a,
3: a movie about a projections. Like, I was thinking One Hour Photo, which I love that movie. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, like, the projectionist is alone in this room, and he's, you know, there's something there. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Okay.
0: <clears throat> uh, back to our question.
3: People, <laughs> unless people which just skipped to... over this yeah. one. This one right to, hey, welcome back to Delusion. I'm we're here with the... Russell and Mike. Uh, hey, guys. I'm in your house. Uh, I'm not sure how the hell I got
0: here, but uh, <clears throat> we're having wine. Uh, it's not the last time someone said that to me. Um, so Mike's not having wine. Uh,
3: <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Dr. Pepper. All right, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Location challenges in Los Angeles. You've had a few. You, you. Uh, you oh yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Jesus. You've been in so many different locations in different neighborhoods. Uh, what have been the challenges of producing such a large-scale, ambitious project in Los Angeles?
3: Well. Okay. I guess I can start out by saying that we're not welcome back in council district 10, which is the West Adams district. Um, it's, it's, these are old historic homes that we've taken care of and we've been very good about it, but they just, uh, when we were running our shows in these mansions, um, that district, there's this, the council there just feels that we're trampling upon these old, you know, relics. And, um, I mean, I get, I get that, but we, we take you know, meticulous care of these places. They really don't know the whole story and we haven't communicated it pro communicated it properly. I mean, it's LA has been, uh, you know, as wonderful as a cultural hub as it is mm-hmm. for what we're trying to do. It's, um, it's not very welcoming, hence the, you know, creation of, um, you know, um, the hell's it called noah's doing it Noah Leia. no one knows leah leah which is um, league
0: of experimental and immersive the, artists i believe yeah and um I hope so i got that right league of extraordinary gentlemen that's what i want to say <laughs> of course of
3: course <laughs> i want to say that um so they're it's been great because you know they're they're actually doing something about it they're right. trying to you know get more easier permitting and stuff like that but at the end of the day it it'll all it'll always come down to the neighborhood i don't care how far we get with this whole thing mm-hmm. if a neighbor complains you know, that can be a problem. So to to run a business where, you know, as we did for, for, for you know, five seasons in houses, except right. for one in a church. and know the church is the same thing because it was a residential place. Every, we wouldn't get a permit until the week before. We wouldn't know if we can continue a show. We wouldn't know if we can, if we can honor the tickets. Wait, uh, week week by to week. week? Week to week. Week to week. That's mortifying
0: um, for a business person.
3: I mean, I I lost a lot of my life just... You know worrying about that all the time you know and just trying to appease the neighbors you do as much as you can but they still just don't want you there for some reason or in 2013 you know we have a church and um we happened to we didn't even know but we stepped into this whole battle between the neighborhood and the owner of the church she wanted to turn it into a bout- boutique hotel the neighbors hated her and we went in and they oh, used wow. us as sort of like a proxy uh campaign to show that look what we can do we can shut down anything that goes into your place so they shut us down yeah, you know, we lost, all, you know, a lot of my own money and um, should have just called it quits right there. <laughs> but um, Thank you for not. Yeah. I, but it was, uh, I mean, the houses are great. I, I wish we could, I wish it was easier mm-hmm. to stay in those. Um, but I still felt like I needed to kind of, you know, change things up a bit. There's a grander vision for this whole delusion universe now, too. So it's not, you can't continue to do this kind of stuff. We can't continue to do it in the houses and be up against the, the constraints of the neighborhood. Um, it's just not practical anymore. And
0: are you finding now that you're in a commercial space that some of that has eased up?
3: Yeah, we haven't had any issues. Um, that has, we, but those issues have been replaced with many other issues. Um, but yes, the, the actual issue of the neighborhood is, has not been a problem because people are used to this theater. You know, there's shooting, there's shooting there, um, you know, film shoots and there's music. And so they're used to it. Right. Um, But this has been, this has been the most challenging year out of all of them. Even, even 2013, this one, this one's the hardest. Why is that? Uh, we spent a lot of money on this build. You guys went to the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can see where that went. Um, and, uh, we have to, here's the thing that people should know. So whoever's listening, um, so, okay, we have a $95 ticket, right? You think, um, oh, these guys are doing really well. Complete opposite, guys. Like, it is... We we sold out the whole fall season really, you know, really quickly. Delusional was... Uh, thankfully, knock on wood, does really well in that season. People are not used to spring. They don't think about the spring in November. Nobody thinks about that. Um, as proud of the show as we are and as excited as we are, um, it's just something that they don't really think about. So, you know, we need to... There was, we need to fill a demand because a lot of people still want it to go, so we want it to extend, but also at the same time, like for us to actually like make this you know make make any money on this thing, we have to continue to to run it mm-hmm. um, in through the spring and through june and uh so you know we're banking on people getting really excited about it in November to buy tickets for February or march April, may, June, but people don't really think that far ahead uh so you know, the, we just have to, we needed to get through the holidays and we need to get to now, you know, January, end of January to start getting people to think more about like, you know, February. Mm -hmm. And so we're starting to see a turnaround there, but it was really tough because it's like, how are we going to, we just have to, we have to push through. And again, it, it came down to the build. I mean, as I said, we spent a ton of money on it. I, it's completely my fault. Like I was just—I wanted to do this grand. I'm always thinking big on all these things, and I'm like telling the team, "Okay, well, let's do a you know a giant cave over here, and let's do a temple over here." And um, uh, they're like, "Okay, well, sure." Um, I think I need more of my producers to say no to me.
0: Oh, that's part of a producer's job,
3: but yes, it is. <clears throat> But anyway, I mean, look, my whole team. I have a new new uh, partners on this with great company. The great mm-hmm. company is run by Carl Choi, and he has amazing people like Carl and Mary, and then on the delusion side, I uh, have Jackie and Kevin and Ian, and um, we all sort of came together to build this one, and um, we all believe in it. Like it's a it's a cool show. We were, you know, it's 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 better now. I I personally went through like a really tough time with this script for a long time. I like fell into this depression for a while. Like I just, it, cause time travel was fucking with my mind. And then like the whole, and the build, it wasn't going to be done on time. And I was like, what the fuck, man? It's just like, it wasn't, it's so hard to do these things. And, um, it just, it, it, it thrust me into this mental state that I'm glad I'm out of, but we're not completely out of the woods. I just, I guess the point is like, there's been a lot of appreciation for these kind of things. I think learning more about the inner workings and what it does to the actual artists is important. I think people should know that it's like, we put every fucking thing we have like our life savings into this thing. I mean, you know, like this Mm -hmm. is something we, we do as a passion project. This has been a hobby and we're trying to, you know, turn this into something that's grander, like um, make it into an industry. Like, interactive theater should, it should exist throughout the year. Um, and I think that we're, we're, this is an experiment. This, this whole run is an experiment in the spring. And if people want to, you know, travel to other worlds with us, then, you know, let's, let's kick it into gear and start supporting the, the arts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was a big ramble.
1: Um, You just mentioned that this is an experiment. Um, Just going back to, you know, 2010, 2011, whenever you thought of doing the um, Haunted Play, was it an experiment to you then? Like what sparked that, that I'm going to do this this year? And like, how did all that come to be?
3: Yeah, it was a risk and an experiment. Um, But I had a lot of confidence in the fact that like, of of banking on the magic of the fall season and understanding that like I am a fan myself and that I knew that I knew that people would be as I'm writing it and and walking through it for rehearsals, it was like, I'm sure people will like this. I mean, I really like it. And there's a lot of people like me out there, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) And um, yeah, it was, it was an, it was an experiment as well too. So it's interesting that it's a good question. It's like you're experimenting them and then now, now we're, we're experimenting with, a slightly different genre as well too. Um, in that this one is not strictly horror based. It's more you know, sci-fi great as a lost dark adventure kind of thing. So in my mind, it's like, I've, I love Halloween to death. And I, I'm, and I've said this many times in many interviews, like I'm not the biggest horror fan. Like I don't really, I've seen a ton of horror movies and I enjoy them. Um, but it's not my really preferred genre. Um, that, I mean that that sounds a little off. I mean, I do enjoy it, but I like I like good quality horror. But it's anyway. My point is, I just like my style is more fantastical, adventurous, and I feel yes, the previous ones have been more like really scary. They've been they've had even a horror theme to it, but I want this. I want these stories to evolve into the fantastical genre and not just the horror genre. And I think that can exist at any time.
0: And I think that will hopefully lead to the success of what you were talking about, of as it runs into spring, I think that's part of the challenge. Is I, I, um, I'm i working with someone right now who has a ticket for early February, I believe. He wasn't into the horror stuff. I think the extension, the announcement of the extension, convinced him, like, oh, this this is obviously something, not, it's not a haunt. and I keep telling him, Yes, it's not a haunt. It's a play. You need to go do this. Mm-hmm. And he finally he finally plunked down the money and bought the ticket. Uh, I think last week. Oh, that's awesome! So, and uh, but Thanks, I think Russell. I think what it is, mm-hmm. I think it's the genre. I, I think when he understood that this isn't just and he was looking at the website and he realized the sci-fi vibe and uh, I think that will appeal to more people and I will. I think it will help shift the attitude of this isn't just for Halloween anymore. Mm-hmm. That immersive can be <clears throat> other things. You know and other Mike and I have joked about how it everything in the last year in Los Angeles immersive seemed to be dealing with grief and death well uh, that's a good that's something <laughs> I want
3: to talk about here actually that that's funny because one big inspiration for doing this kind of show besides like the adventure Raiders kind of lost our time travel aspect um, was the fact was that fact that I saw this entire immersive interactive theater stuff go in such a dark direction oh yeah and it's so I mean, there's nothing wrong with introspection and, you know, tackling certain issues. But it was like, yeah, you're dealing with grief and sorrow and torment and and torture and trauma. And I was like, I I remember having a conversation with my producer, Jackie. um, And I said, look, I just want to write a show that's fun. Mm -hmm. I want it to be fun. I want people to just go on this cool grand adventure and they leave, and they're exhilarated. I don't want to torment them. <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I don't want to dive deep into the psyche with them and um, and pull out their you know childhood trauma. I just uh, sure there's a place for that, but I'm, that's not my style. And uh, I just felt like this this movement, this genre needed needed something like this. Needed something lighthearted and fun. Um, that's not to say that this isn't we, we talk a lot about how it's oh it's not horror it's not that scary there are scary moments in this oh, yeah. one and actually the director's cut that I'm finishing now it, this is a scarier show than the fall show which is funny like there are more <laughs> there are I think especially towards the end there's, I think there's more of a, a, a scary element to it but it's fine I mean look you know it's, it is what it is but it's definitely sci-fi adventure like, but we need to get a whole new audience and like we our delusional fans they're, they come to the show we can rely on them well, to make this a real thing, like a uh, more sustainable thing, we gotta appeal to like a lot more people.
0: Right. Uh, you brought up the director's cut. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Because we're actually recording this on the day of the official announcement.
1: The trailer.
3: <laughs> In a world <laughs> filled with desire. Oh, okay. <laughs> no.
1: Buy but. your TIP ticket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you do have a director's cut of the Blue Blade yeah. coming.
3: It's so a director's cut of the Blue Blade. Um, we opened February 14th, and it's, um, there are things that I wanted to do that I wasn't able to do for the fall. Um, there's still a lot more I want to do that we can't do just because you know it's time and budget and all that stuff. But this is going to have uh, a new character in it, um, some new interaction by the by the audience uh, with certain props and um, some different challenges Uh, there's some different motivations in some of the characters Um, I mean the major stuff is more towards the end the alternate ending but uh, where where I have the audience um, (laughs) this is funny because every year we put so much trust in the audience you guys go into the show we have to trust that you guys will act accordingly and that you won't you know destroy the set or stab one of our actors Mm -hmm. and every year i'm thinking god you know we just have to like pare it down a little bit and just not just dumb it down but like um make sure that the audience is never really left alone and i just took my own advice and threw out the fucking window on this and i'm like okay well now there's a there's a sequence in this that's like you're on your own and i and you know my team hates me for doing it, um, <laughs> but I think it's going to be fun for people. So if you're if you're listening and you're going to go to the show, just just our main rule is just don't be a douche.
0: I think please. That, <laughs> I think that's a very good rule in general uh, to keep in mind as you're going through any immersive experience. Yeah, just because be I've respectful. gone through immersive experiences with some of them. <laughs>
3: yeah i'm sure it ruins it why did you look at me (laughs) yeah he was looking
1: right at him
0: (laughs) so i i'm not saying anything
1: um so will the director's cut be every show of the run or only select dates yeah
0: it's it's the whole run yeah that's it it's gonna be fun Oh, and uh, I I know we will say this at the end, but uh, we will have links and information available uh, on our webpage to uh, direct people to those tickets. Sweetness, oh, looking forward yeah. to seeing it, man. Seriously, looking forward to seeing it. Me too.
3: I'm excited <laughs> to see this thing like uh, <laughs> manifest in some way. Yeah, before I even came in here, I was talking to Kevin Williams, the production designer. I'm like, we're just going through the list of things I wanted to do, and we just, we had to like pare some things down too because we're like, oh shit, we don't have the money for that. <laughs> so literally just before we recorded this, so uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's fun, man. I mean, I this show has grown on me from the beginning. I you know when you're so close to a project, you just you don't like it anymore, mm-hmm. and that happened with this one in the beginning. I was like, I just don't, I'm not, I wasn't into it. But then I had to keep stepping back and be like. I've been too close to it for so long, and now it's like uh, being able able to revamp it has had some like renewed excitement for me, and I'm hoping for the people who come to the show. Um, So, come on out!
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm recommending it to everyone, and uh, I'm recommending it. uh, A lot of my coworkers went. Um, I and I literally well, the last time I talked to you was the night when I. Like, literally, we, my coworkers, we bought an entire block. I remember that. Which was great because I was able to get people together who, like, from various walks of my life. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, this is the person I've talked about. And it was, and Delusion was the perfect venue for getting friends together. And, like, because, like, we, we met and talked beforehand, I introduced people, and it was awesome. And then we went on this wonderful adventure, had a blast, and then came out and was talking about it the rest of the night. So it became a really bonding experience for a new group of friends. That's so, so yeah. cool. Delusion was great. That was a great night. That'd be fun.
3: It'd be fun to actually like be in your shoes where you're actually bringing new people and they've never, they just have no clue about this whole world. So, I mean, you guys have been very big supporters of it. So I, both of you guys, I appreciate thank you. what you've done over the years and to help spread the word. So thank you.
1: Out of all the Delusion shows, do you have a favorite or are they like children where you're not allowed to choose one? <laughs>
3: Uh, I think there are elements of every show. It's, it's hard to say like my favorite one of all. Um, I think the one that sort of encapsulates the style the most for me would probably be Lies Within, um, 2014. Uh, though this one, this one would be very close to that. Uh, even though they're a bit of a bit of a bit different in ter- in terms of a uh, tone and all that, but um, yeah, I think anything that's fantastical. That's I keep going back to that word, like that's you know the Terry Gilliam, the you know the, the live creature, practical creature effects. I like to employ real creature effects, you know, for for these things. Like people, you know, never get to see this stuff live, but I think yeah, that show, Eyes Within, and this one um might be my my two favorite ones uh the vampire show was was pretty wicked too i thought that was fun um god the 2012 show was yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) um yeah elements i think elements like if you were to ask me okay what are your favorite moments from each one i could probably pick those out um and when they worked and uh yeah i i think i i one of my favorite things is definitely um working with Jim Banky, he's our creature effects guy. So to create these characters that exist uh, right in front of you, that just manifest in front of you and something you never seen before. And I mean, I get, that's the benefit of coming from the film world was like, I have great contacts that are willing to do these cool side projects for friends and family rates. Cause the creature stuff you guys have seen over the years, like that shit's, that would have been like most of our budget. And these mm-hmm. guys are coming in to do it for like for pennies. Um, and I have to find the right actors who can perform in these creature suits for five hours right? and, and not complain about it. I mean, this <laughs> year, this show, you guys saw there's a, there's a big creature in this one. Mm-hmm. And um, you got to have – the, the I, I, we should spend a whole show on the actors. I want the actors to listen to this because you guys are – they're the heart of this, man. The actors for Delusion are just fucking mind-blowing. They are, I think, and maybe I'm biased. They're the best in the field when it comes to this sort of uh, uh, this sort of uh, medium. They don't. They're just. They're on it every show. They, there's no complaints. They, they bond together. I mean, every theater company bonds together in some way, but like these people are like, like they go to battle every night and they bring it every night, consistently. And it's, I'm just blown away. But I don't know how they do it. What do you guys think of the actors? <laughs> well,
0: I've seen um The Blue Blade twice so far this season and I do plan to come back and um I you connect with certain people. Mm-hmm. Um and there are certain you have certain actors in your show that I recognize from other shows. Oh yeah. And yeah. and I'm I have no problem I never see them as other than what they are in front of me if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I just remember being delighted. Uh, Like every time I walked into a room, I was like, I get to play with this person right now. I get to spend however many minutes with this person because I know they're the best at what they do. And just as a patron who goes to a lot of immersive theater, you know, Mike and I talk about this all the time. We're like, oh, did you notice so-and-so, <laughs> you know, was oh, in that yeah. show. yeah,
3: a small family. And
0: it, yeah. And, small community. And, yeah. But I, I fell in love with them in a different way than I've ever seen any of them before. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them in particular, I was just, yeah. You know, I don't want to single one person out, but, yeah, it was like I did have a moment with one actor in particular that was just like...
3: No, you can single them out. They, they would love it. They would love um, to... Um is James it,
0: which Oh James Carrick James. the Android character? Yes.
3: Yeah, that's fine. It's... Yeah, it's just
0: like uh and I and I've I've seen you know I've James seen multiple amazing. actors perform that role. Very different, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh very cool interpretations, but you know, it's like and you know, Dasha and you know, like she walked into the room and I've I've have i I've never seen her
1: perform a role like she performs in the blue blade. Yeah. And I think, I I think that's, that's something I was going to point out is we've always seen her like be nice and say like a fortune teller or, you know, something like that. Very spiritual. But she was, it's just pure evil. And it's like, Oh my God.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to her today. She's, that's just like, we all see, she's like, if I, if I've done anything right, it is, if I can go down in history as like discovering Dasha Kittredge for, for the interactive theater world, <laughs> like that's <the laughs> only. I'll go down in history as like find, of discovering her because she mm-hmm. is the, she's the fucking queen of mm-hmm. interactive theater. Like she is, uh, she's spectacular in so many ways, uh, but I yeah, don't... I wanted to throw her into like a darker kind of role and like throw in a wire too. Like she goes flying. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, spoiler yeah, I know. I keep spoiling <laughs> shit all the time, but you got to, yeah, well, you got
0: to see it live. You know, you hear about it now. Oh yeah.
3: Here, you're reading the, this is the audio book and then you come see it. <laughs> that know, was live. another
0: gasp worthy moment in, in, especially the first time I went through with her, it was just like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> like yeah. the, where her character goes. I like, it was, I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah it's so you should see her fly from behind the scenes like the way she
3: flies too she's got this whole like super she even lands like a super you know the one arm up <laughs> and like one
0: arm down <laughs> she's she's got that shit down it's, it's that's why i remember who played the detective the night um but that's someone else who i've encountered before with the hat like stanfeld in the beginning that you yes follow, yeah, the guy you yeah. Follow.
3: so we have that's i mean we have you know we double cast every role yeah. right and i have so many different actors so that's Look, I mean, there's that's enough of a reason for any theater lover to come back. Like you, even if I did the exact same show, mm-hmm. and you came back again, you saw different actors. It's a different show. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. So I don't even have to do anything. You just come back and you just see a different actor. It changes everything. Uh, so we have, like you were mentioning, James, James and and uh, there's people play uh, Carrick, James, Alex, and a few other people. And these guys are they they each bring their own energy and their own flavor to this character mm-hmm. and and stuff that. I mean I write this stuff and then all of a sudden when I put it in their hands they come they bring it I know it sounds trite but like they bring it to life but they but they don't just bring it to life but they evolve it in ways that I never even contemplated mm-hmm. and these guys these guys do shit with that character that are I, I couldn't I could never have thought of so I'm glad you got to see James James is great mm-hmm. come back see uh yeah. The guys like, uh, Ian or Alex and
0: I think Alex was the other one I saw. And, and that, that, that was the, the, the interpretation of the roles was so different. I was like, this, this is fascinating to watch. Oh, I'm awesome. so glad I came back and saw a different cast.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm glad you did too. That's when you come back again, you guys, hopefully we'll have another different one. Cause we have like the Eves, we have so many different Eve characters and, um, uh,
0: that was a bit of a spoiler. Okay, let's <laughs> <I'll> move on. <laughs> Shit, we've been drinking some wine. Do you want more? Uh, I'm good for now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, please just speak up. <laughs> yeah.
3: Okay, fine. I'll have another glass. But we're going to so, pause for a commercial break. This is not just brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It's brought to you by Longhorn Valley Wine 2016. A wonderful year. Russell's bringing it back. It's very tasty. Listen to him pour Can you hear this? Longhorn Valley. A better wine. Only three ninety nine dollars For a better person. <laughs> Where do we go from here? So you do with different voices. All right. So <clears throat> the rest of the show will be done in the old New York voice. How you doing? All right, here you go. Let's start over. Hey, it's John Braver here from Delusion. I'm here with Russell and Mikey. So, when I walked in here first, you were playing a game, Mikey. What game were you playing? I was playing Dead by Daylight. And uh, is that a violent game? It is very violent. Did, you, did your mom know you playing violent games? Um, yeah. Does she
1: approve? She does. It made me who I am today. I'm sorry to hear that. Did, well, you, did you come here alone? <laughs> uh, no, I have my. <laughs> I have two uh,
0: guards outside. Two big bodyguards right. outside. How soon will it be before anyone notices you're gone? I mean, <laughs> how long have you got? That's right. <laughs>
3: Okay, what was the address again here? <laughs> if you're listening, please come and help me. This is not a podcast. <laughs> please. <laughs> Shit, Mikey's getting up. He's going to get a knife or something. <laughs> no, wait. No, just a second. I, I didn't mean any of that. I didn't,
2: no, wait. Oh.
0: Mike, we, we have to let him go. We have to finish the, the, like talking on the podcast. I want
1: a delusion radio show and this is the only way to make it happen.
0: Yeah. We should do like a regular delusion radio. Valid point. I'm, I'm down with this. Oh, wait, where were we going? <laughs> um, <laughs> so talking um, about my death,
1: you're, uh, a man of many voices, apparently. Um, <laughs> I love voice, voice. You are a writer, a director. Uh, you've done stunts, a stunt coordinator, stunt performer. Um, what else do you do, and how did you get into the business?
3: <laughs> what
1: else? Uh, I make really good breakfast. Um,
3: I, what else do I do? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father to a nine-year-old, uh, so that's, that's the greatest thing I do. Um, <clears throat> how did I get into the business? Uh, I was, um, when, when I was going to school and sh- I went to music school, I'm, I'm a guitar major. And, uh, so I played, I played guitar since I was 16 and I was going to be a professional musician. And did then I did not
0: see that coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that was, that was, my dream. Like that was it. Uh, if anybody's ever heard of Joe Satriani, he's an amazing guitarist and he was sort of my, uh, my mentor. And, um, and then I discovered, and I was also teaching gymnastics. in in Chicago. So I was a gymnastics coach. What? (laughs) I was a gymnast in high school and a musician. And then I, 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 so I was, and then I went to music school in Chicago. uh, And then at the same time, you know, to make, to pay the bills, I was a gymnastics coach. And then I discovered Jackie Chan. It was before anybody knew who Jackie Chan was. So I'm kind of aging myself uh, a bit. I,
0: I, 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 before Jackie Chan movies ever got American releases, a friend and I used to drive out to Alhambra because there was one theater in Alhambra that would play Jackie Chan movies. What? Oh and they God. would play the foreign releases that they had English subtitled them. So the English subtitles were hysterical because it was someone whose English was their second language was subtitling the movie.
3: Oh, my God. It's like a mystery <laughs> science
0: theater episode. It was like It was awesome. The first time I ever saw um, Supercop 2. Yeah. You know, the which, which in this country, I always forget where it was released. as super cop and super cop two, but yeah. like first time I ever saw that was before got an American release. Several years before got an American release. Oh my god! You know, and because so there was have... one theater out in Alhambra that would play them because people in that neighborhood spoke the language. That's ins- oh my god, man! You you were very lucky to be able to see
3: it in the oh, big screen. Seeing those on a that, I don't know how I would go and I went to Chinatown in Chicago and I'd get them in laserdisc, and. um my friend would, and then we'd go to his house and nobody, yeah, nobody knew. God, I wish I, I wish I was you at that time. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, I just, um, I would get these, I get these movies to go back to my friend's house and we watch them and I was like, I was blown away. Like Jackie Chan was, it was like the choreography and the, the, just the, I mean, it was mesmerizing and I used to do that kind of shit in gymnastics. I was, you know, flipping around and doing weird stuff and like that. And, um, I was like, people get paid to do this kind of thing. And, um, during this time, also I was doing these like mini delusion kind of things in my parents' house and I, the city of Chicago heard about it and they hired me to do a show in an old clock tower. So I did this like cool old, this creepy show in a clock tower. And I hired all my, uh, gymnastics kids that I would coach. I brought them in to play parts in the show. And, uh, this is 1998. And then I did that show there and then I decided, um, During the show, this is an interesting story. I I watched this movie, Mask of Zorro. You remember that one Mm -hmm. with Antonio Banderas? And I said, okay, well, people get paid like Jackie to go and to do these stunt action sequences. And so I watched that movie, and I picked a name out of the stunt credits. Guy's name was Webster. Webster Winery is his name. And uh, I thought, okay, that's an interesting name. Uh, I'll just, I have a cousin out in L.A. I'm going to move to L.A. after the show, and I'm going to find Webster. And, uh, he's going to give me my first job. And it was just so determined. And I packed everything up and I, we finished the, you know, at that time it was haunted play and, um, finished the show. And, uh, we, my best friend and I, Danny, we drove cross country and I moved in with my cousin. And then six months later, after I put together like a demo reel for action sequences and stunts, I, I tracked down this guy Webster and I told him the story. I told him, I told him like, sorry, man, like, you, 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 <laughs> you have to do this. You have to hire me. And, you know, we laughed about it a bit, and then I didn't hear from him for a couple months, and then uh, I get a call from him, and my first ever film was House of a Thousand Corpses. And that was, uh, I was doubling Chris Hardwick. And wow. uh, he, he gave me my first job. And then at that point, it just sort of snowballed, and then I just started working, like, nonstop at that point. And uh, that's how I got into the stunt business. Um, but the whole time as I was going along, the delusion thing was sort of in the back of the mind.
0: And so you just mentioned smaller productions. I that sounds like that was the germ of delusion was the small shows that you said you put on in your parents' house. Were you, yeah, th- but it yeah. doesn't sound like you were a home haunter per se. No, it's like you were talking about plays, right?
3: Yes, I mean from the first from day one, it was nine, 1996, in um, in my parents' house. Yeah, I, I my parents stayed in a hotel for the weekend and I you know, basically kicked him out, and um, um, I wrote a play that was, uh, it was 10 minutes long, and the uh, the neighborhood in Chicago would just come, and they'd line up, and they would go through the house, and, you know, it was basically what you, what you see now, it's, it was just obviously a lot more amateur, and just friends would act in it, but it was a play, I mean, from the beginning, I was not I was never, and this is, I always say this, and I have to preface it by saying I'm not, I I don't, there's a place for, haunted houses are great. There's some really great things. They're just not for me. I don't enjoy haunted houses. I don't like going to them. It's just my thing. There, I'm, There's a lot of people that do. Um, But from 96, I was like, I just want to create, like, you know, I used to play big role-playing games and like... Uh, and I, I, at that time I loved, you know, aliens, the movie aliens. I was just like, I'm going to create something that's like super, like got a lot, you know, great story and great action. And I'm going to put it in the house and people are going to move through the house. And it was just this, it, that was it. It was like, let's just create an adventure in the house and just have people coming through, but in groups and playing parts in the story. That was it. That was the beginning of it. And it was pretty wild. That's awesome. 10 minutes. And then that's I, an awesome
0: I, I, inspirational story,
3: man. It was fun. That was super fun. And we ruined my parents' house and then I moved next door
0: the next year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of digressed, but uh, where Mike kind of led you. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> you did all that. Uh, you've done a lot of television work. You've done a lot of film work. Out of curiosity, is there a particular stunt that is your favorite that you've performed? Or or a, or a sequence yeah. that you've helped create on film that yes. is, a, is a personal favorite?
3: For sure. It was Indiana Jones, the last Indiana Jones movie, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. is was a... a not a marvelous film, but um, me and a group of guys, we we sort of choreographed the action for the first fifteen minutes of that movie. The whole sequence when uh, Indy's escaping from the um, from the Area Fifty One right. area with all the crates. So um, all that action is sort of our team, and um, we. Uh, I mean, I mean, look. <laughs> that was the dream that was the dream like i i would get up in the morning and i'd work with spielberg and harrison ford and it was like we were working closely with these guys and i have great stories with spielberg and and harrison i mean harrison and i were there's a scene where i'm coming after him with a gun and he and i would go rehearse where he'd take the whip and have to like rip the gun out of my hands and um the whole time i'm like please god just cut me, cut my arm. I want a scar. So I would actually, like with the gun, I would lean into the, to his whip closer and closer. And he kept telling me like, back up, John, back up. You know, you're getting too close. I'm like, that's fine. It's fine. Cause I, I no joke. I wanted him to cut me. I want that story. But anyway, I, I do have a, a, a great story anyway. So he, he and I, um, worked on that, the whole whipping scene. I'm, and I, and every time I'm sitting there looking at him, Ten feet away from me, in the whole Indiana Jones garb, with the whip, working with me, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> I get up in the morning, and I work with my hero. The reason why, like, I exist in this film world, and reason why the Blue Blade exists, the reason why lots of all this stuff exists, is because of Spielberg and Harrison Ford and Raiders and this whole series, and so working with these guys, I mean, I learned so much from Spielberg, him, you know, I'd, I'd sit there and talk to him about, you know, his process. Like it was, it was basically film school, but you know, uh, far better. So I got to watch him work and, um, and I, I just learned a lot in, in terms of directing. I, um, cause that's, that's sort of my main gig is directing now. So I, I, everything I do is kind of, I think back to that, what I, what I learned from him and, um, Going back to what you were asking, what's a favorite stunt? If you go back to the movie, there's a scene where I mean there's all that action in the in the warehouse is great. But um there's a scene, and it happens really quick, but where Harrison is escaping from all the Russian guards, and he he jumps into this Jeep where Kate Blanchett is. Mm-hmm. So Kate Blanchett's driving this jeep, he jumps onto the Jeep, grabs her, and throws her out of the Jeep, and then he he takes over. And he, cra- he crashes through a wall of crates. You have to kind of go back and watch this. But, like, there's this massive wall of crates. And he goes driving right through it and does it, pulls, like, a 90 slide right through the crates. And me and three other guys are on the other side of the crates. And the whole wall of crates just explode. I mean, it's giant. This fucking thing is giant. And it's all rigged with special effects, like explosives. They blow up the whole wall into our faces and we're all on wires and we all go spinning out of the way as Indy comes crashing and swiping us through and then he takes off, drives off and then camera lowers to the shot of the the arc. You remember this? Yeah. You see the arc in the crate? So, that was my favorite stunt and um, and I remember seeing the arc inside of the crate like as we're sitting there, you know, shooting and I'm just on break, I would just sit there and stare at the arc. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, Man, that's the arc right there. So,
1: has um, it was insane. Have any of them been through delusion since it was such a? They're such a big inspiration for it.
3: Oh, those guys? Um, no, I think we would have known about those guys coming <laughs> through. But no, they haven't. I wish that uh, I wish they would. I'm, I want all my inspirations to come through, like Tim Burton and Guillermo del Toro and all those guys. I want them all to come through. It's hard to hard to get them through. These guys to get a hold of them. Um, they got busy schedules but we've had other celebrities come through you know, I know Neil was one of them who helped in 2012 he, he and I worked, worked closely together to really make this pop you know in 2012
0: and he's become a wonderful advocate for immersive theater
3: he has he just needs to uh, tweet about it a little bit more any <laughs> little t- tweet help would be great Neil please just you know come on we work together let's do this but Neil's like a Fast-moving train. The guy just guy does everything, and then mm-hmm. along his life train, certain people jump on the train for a little bit, and
0: then and then they, they they jump off. Yeah, and he's been directing, and he's been doing all kinds of other things.
3: Yeah, he's he's a talent man. That guy's big inspiration for you know for me. So a lot of a lot of cool stunts. There's been some really great action sequences that we've done, but
0: that, the in, indie was probably obviously. I mean, look. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> Is there one that you haven't done yet that you would love to do on film? A fall. Oh, a fight, I don't. Move? I don't want to do any stunts anymore. No, I'm, I'm
3: done. <laughs> I'm done with stunts. It's just I going to go behind the camera, you know, directing. That's it. That's 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 it. I'd rather not do. Uh, I don't want to jump through any windows or any shit like that anymore.
1: <laughs> you mentioned your inspirations. Um, I think a lot of the LA scene, even places in the country overall can point to you as their inspiration to starting something. Um, like how does that feel as a creator, starting in your parents' house to creating things that sell out within like hours, like a whole run to people creating things because you created something.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. That's, well, it's very flattering. Um, uh, I think that's. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I, I haven't really processed that. Um, I think it's 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 as I said flattering. It that's that's great that you can sort of help steer an a genre, an industry. And in, I, I I guess. Um, but I, I it's cool to see how how many things have sort of spawned from that. You know, from I've had a lot of people uh, reach out that um are interested in this field and um we've had long talks about it and, and guys like justin fix you know justin does justin fix does creep and he's a, he's a great guy he's a really smart real passionate guy and uh he reached out a couple of years ago about um delusion and how you got into it kind of stuff and then now i see that he's you know he's running creep and creep's doing really well and then he runs the willows and all these other shows and um so that's that's makes me really happy to see that kind of stuff happen. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe I, <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's I, I don't really equate. I, 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 maybe the way you're saying it, Mike, is like, how does it feel to help inspire all this stuff? I don't feel like, I know this sounds ridiculous, but I don't feel like I maybe really even it's, maybe I did inspire some people to do this stuff, but I'm still like trying to inspire myself to do these things. So I feel like I'm still one of them. And just like, I don't really, I'm constantly trying to grow and I don't really see this as like, uh, I know that we put ourselves out in the public as like, you know, we put in the trailer, the Vanguard of interactive theater, like the ones who started it all, but that's all sort of, you know, marketing kind of stuff. And there's, I guess there's some truth to that, but, um, I don't know. Maybe it's modesty. I don't know. I I just don't, I I don't think about it too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think you've, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough question to answer, but I I think, you know, from Mike's perspective and my perspective, I think part of it is we have gratitude and I think Mm -hmm. the LA scene has gratitude for what delusion was when it first appeared on the scene and what it has become. And over the years you have changed and you have transformed, uh, delusion has changed. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned getting the feedback of not enough stunts, stunts, you know, it's like that comes from people loving what you did the year before that comes from people looking at you going, they are the standard to look for. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I think if anything, it's like, I, I would, I love having this opportunity to say, thank you because it means a lot to us as fans and patrons and, you know, Mike and I have both worked in haunts and have Mm -hmm. done immersive theater and, you know, and everything from role playing to theater scenes and acting classes or whatever. It's like, it's a creative process and you know, you're an inspiration that that will lead somewhere sometimes if, if we choose to pursue it because you chose to pursue it.
3: Well, that's very sweet. That's very sweet. That, that tickles me. <laughs> I feel like a TIP. Nice
0: callback. <laughs> wow. Now, wow that, that's that, a pro, ladies and gentlemen. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, that—that's fair. That is
0: very sweet. I mean,
3: I, I it, yeah, it's been—it's um, been a crazy ride. I mean, uh, we—I still feel like we're like you were, you were talking earlier about the—you the, know—we didn't expect any—you know—we wanted more stunts or something like that. Like this—this this show, the Blue Blade. Um, It's funny because we're constantly trying to evolve and change things and, you know, try new things. They could fail, sure. Uh, They can succeed. I don't know. But um, this show, uh, I knew, it's it's a bit of a tangent, but, you know, um, I knew that we would get pushback in October especially to be like, it's not scary enough, you know. I I, I just was like, okay, I told the whole team, just weather weather the storm. There's going to be some people (laughs) are going to be like, This isn't that scary. It's fine. Um, Let's just just keep pushing through because to me, like, honestly, to me, Halloween is just about adventure. It's about magic. It's about horror. Yes, it's about cypher. It's about all the wonderful things that encompass, like, all the escapism that we want in our lives or in that season. So um, I was like, just weather weather that storm. It wasn't that bad of a storm. It was like a a light drizzle. And uh, because certain people really understood they're like well yes you did a lot of horror based stuff before and this one is not as much but it's cool i welcome that like i yeah. welcome the fact that you tried something new or you tried uh um a slightly different genre in some way and i think those people that's what we're kind of playing for is like those kind of people and there's plenty of those people out there um and so you know we and there's plenty of people out there that have never heard of delusion before there's thousands, hundreds. How many people live in LA? Like they've never heard of it before. And they're, and they're all geeks and they want to do this kind of stuff. So we got to get the word out to those people. So I know your viewership is, you guys got a lot of people listening, so let's do that.
0: (laughs) Tweet everyone tweet now. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about, um, delusion and expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, we keep saying stunts, And in the past, Illusion has featured fights. It's featured wire work. uh, Mm -hmm. It's featured falls from multiple story buildings, which I, that was another one of those moments where that happened. And I was like, my jaw just dropped. Like I just saw someone fall off a, what was it? A three story building? Uh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) You talked about your ambition. What is the most challenging thing that you have managed to bring to life? This show. The Blue blade? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 This is, this has been the most challenging. The blue blade is nonstop. It moves and there's so many surprises along the way. It's like, why do you say the blue blade?
3: Well, it's the most challenging because we had six weeks to build it. And, um, and you know, we didn't have all the money to build it. I mean, you could talk to, you can have another podcast with Kevin Williams, the production designer who, you know, lost many years of his life. And, um, To, to make this happen. Um, it, it was a very ambitious show. You talk about time travel, like, yeah, it depends on what time period you go to, but we go, you know, in this show you go way back in time and that was not cheap, but I will say uh, there was an, a set piece for this show that was the end of, it was the ending of the show and it was uh, really badass and awesome. And we ordered this piece and we had it designed and everything and the shipping company or the manufacturer uh, messed it up and it, it was gonna get pushed uh, two months. And so there was no possible way in, wow. in earth that we would have gotten this set piece in time. So I had to rewrite the entire ending um, because it was such a, this was, I mean, it was massive. It was a massive piece. So uh, yeah, I don't wanna say that one because I might try to bring it back if we get investment. Um, but. Um, yeah, this was the hardest one. It's just but I don't know, maybe it's like the last the last thing you do, you sort of remember like you know how you <laughs> you're, you're drunk and you're like I'm never going to drink again and then you end up doing it again, you know, the the next night or something like that. Um this one is the most recent, hence the most difficult, I guess, but 20, I mean, look, 2016 had a bunch of shit happen to us too. I mean, we built we had the whole thing designed and we were about to go in and build and then the owner of the house Decided on a whim to uh, rip out all of her walls in the entire house. What she just tore them down because she saw some fire damage in one of the wall one of the walls, and she so she said, "I'm just going to be safe. And I'm going to rip down all the walls." So then she called me on the phone. She's like, "John, listen, don't panic. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get it all back up for you, but we uh, we had to take out all the walls, and we just lost our shit at that point. <laughs> Kevin and I and, and Jackie and all that. We were just like, okay." that was a a nightmare but venue owners um are the single driving force of like the stress in my life Mm. the venue the the homeowners that we've dealt with um the landlords they just make fucking life miserable for us and um i don't care if you're listening just fucking
0: hear my voice (laughs) and make shit easy for us okay (laughs) Uh, at the risk of bringing even more uh, more anxiety to the conversation, <laughs> what's your relationship with fire marshals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Actually, fire fire we've had great relationships with fire marshals. I will say that good. So it's the opposite of anxiety. Like these guys, um, these guys have been great because they they now there's no there was no sort of permitting or, or process for yeah. what we're doing right, and they. But from twenty eleven, we we made friends with the fire marshals, and they under, they began to understand what we're doing. So they worked with us to make sure that, like, we can still retain some kind of um, you know quality and integrity into the show, and uh, still stay stay safe. Uh, this year, we haven't had to deal with that too much because it's a commercial venue.
0: Well, so. I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, having had experiences like working at Haunts, and the key is work with them in advance. That's absolutely yeah. the key.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Make them feel like they're a part of the process. You know, don't hide. The minute you try to hide something from them, it's like uh, you're screwed. So, yeah, if you can be on the level with them, that's great. But, yeah, it was – every show has a challenge. Every show is a Mm -hmm. real challenge. Um, This is not new to anybody who works in the business, as you know. Um, This is – it's not easy. Um, I I will say that, like (sighs) – Not to like bring a downer here, but like we, it's going to be very hard to continue sort of this this path of like um, of the current. This is a big kind of a big thing to say, but like the current format of delusion, it's very difficult to like sustain financially. We have a very small amount of people that come through the show, 120 people a night, even at a hundred dollar ticket even at like the build costs. I mean, if we can keep the build costs really, really low, then it could make sense. Uh, This one's really, really high. So financially, it's creatively, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's fun. It's a good success. Uh, Financially, it's uh, not so much yet. Um, But I think that's the key is like, I have opportunities for a show in Vegas and um, another company is, according us to kind of come into their fold right now. And um, I have to sort of balance the, what's made delusion very special mixed with I, want, I would love to actually make a living off this thing because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It got so quiet oh, and depressing
0: there for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> well, not <laughs> quiet and depressing. No, it's I'm just, just kidding. It's, just, no, it's, it's, it's not. It is it's part not. of what it is. It is what uh, it is. That's right. That's yeah, right. There's, there's like going back to delusion for a second. Um, oh yeah, that's why I'm for, here. <laughs> for those 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 people who who've never had the 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 opportunity to go through Delusion, it is an interactive play that you go on this adventure. You go through a location. You, it's not a play that you sit and you watch. You participate in it. You're asked to do things. Uh, you interact with actors in a very specific manner. Quite often, you're told to to perform tasks. You are given things to carry, and like all of this happens, and it's happened in every Delusion show, but. Part of the success, I think, of Delusion for me in the past is your sound design and your music.
3: Hmm.
0: Talk about, because yeah. you have an original score, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about designing and how you reach what you reach. How do you design sound yeah. and a score <clears> for a show where your audience and your cast is quite often moving very quickly through a space?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I always I always love it when people talk about The Sound of Music because The Sound of Music and The Sound of, and, and <laughs>
0: Robert Wise because it's
3: my favorite film not one of I, my favorite films of Robert Wise
0: but he is an awesome director
3: <laughs> The Hills Have Eyes The Hills Are Alive or is The Hills Have Eyes I'm not sure which one it is so um, both classic uh, yes uh, well okay so my so my assistant director and creative supervisor Victor he and I have been through this from the beginning Like. To me, delusion is half visual and half sound like the some of the most fun times i'll ever have are, are doing sound design for this so Victor and I do sound design for it, and my composer is Sid, who lives in Denmark, so he writes his music and he has um and I also pull some some of his older stuff and i I throw them into the show and rework them um, but this is a very interesting process and it's uh being and it's something that's easily overlooked because you're not seeing it with your own eyes you're you know people who can appreciate it like yourselves like you that's why we did the vr uh, well it's not one of the reasons we have a vr project that we did and lies within and you're when you're in the vr uh you're basically inside of the movie you you're actually hearing everything i've wanted you to hear in the live show in the vr so that is incredibly one of the biggest moments for me the biggest uplifting moments for me was for the VR thing was that you can now hear what I've always wanted you to hear. But that said, um, the, uh, the process for the sound design is super intricate and, uh, and, but very fun. So it starts with, with Victor and I going through the script and in my house, and I will talk about the mood of this, uh, the mood of the scene kind of what style of music I kind of want in that space. What's the sound design that surrounds that, all, all the action that's going on. Um, and then I, I time it. So I'll, I'll walk through in my house and pretend I'm the audience in the space. And Victor will have a timer and I'll just, I will guess as to how long this scene will take. And um, so I will sort of walk through my living room and imagine I'm, doing everything the guests are going to do. And I will, in my head, imagine there's a speaker over here and over here that will sort of enhance this, enhance the, uh, the design, enhance the story, um, in the way that I want it to. It, nothing's perfect, but in terms of, um, placement of speakers, I will sort of imagine it, uh, as well as going to the venue, obviously and looking and looking at the space itself. But when we're designing the sound, we're in my house. Um, so, uh, I will, I will th- think it through, walk it through, and then outline the entire show track by track and design by, and, and sound design and, like written out in bullet points. Um, what's supposed to happen at approximately minute one twenty, you know, and then uh, you know that's when the creature arrives and that's when I need this this to happen. So um, I will basically in. in Make a long story short. I will score each scene, and uh, with my with my composer as well as sound design with Victor, the entire sequence as if it's a movie, and then figure out the best placement for the speakers, and then um, we will think about how are the how are we going to achieve every moment. Like obviously, you can't force people. You can do your best to get people to move from one place to another to do certain things, but actors are very much um, in control of moving the sound design forward too. So they are actually hitting buttons that you don't see. Wow. That are, I didn't realize that. Yeah. That are sort of like advancing a track forward. So once you reach a certain point of the story, uh, there's like a hidden button where an actor will hit it, which will, Everything's tied to show control system. So Ian Momi is our sound and um, tech, de- or lighting and tech designer. And so he has show control system. So the entire show is rigged to a computer. Mm-hmm. And he can fire off any sound effect he needs from the computer. But if, if necessary, if an actor misses a cue, but an actor will like, you know, I will say, I, I I'll tell Victor in my living room, I'll be like, okay, well, we're designing this. And then all of a sudden the creature comes at this point. This is another track. So the actor is gonna, we're gonna have to hide a button here, and the actor is gonna have to secretly hit the button, and that will dissolve into the next track and uh, carry this carry this story forward. So it's all meticulously meticulously designed like a film, also practically and technically designed for live theater and um, for actors to be able to progress things forward, as well as um, actors to be able to not just press a button but to actually make sure that they hear a certain cue within the score and then make sure that they have the audience in this position it's all like crazy crazy thought of so the score for this year is like pretty epic as well too and every year it gets kind of nuts but um it's a it's a crazy design and then i had i brought in a new person f- to help design this as well too is katie katie uh, Jost, and she she and i and victor kind of worked out the whole the whole show. So, I mean, you you see it. It's like, it's scoring a film. It's really scoring a film. It's, it's nuts. It's, I'm going to take a (laughs) drink right now. Hang on. (laughs) Yeah. We put a lot of love into it. And even just like you think about the action, there's certain moments. Let's say somebody gets like hit and flown through the air that is accentuated and punched up by sound effects. Like Uh it's, they have to hit their cue and fly through the air at the same time you hear the, whoosh, you know, the whoosh or the, the crunch of a punch or the, you know, there's a scene in 2016 in the vampire show. If you guys remember that where there's a, a, at the end of act one, there's a, there's a big scene in the foyer and the audience gets at the bottom of this foyer and they're looking up to this um, mid-landing of a, of a staircase and they see um, this brother, this incestuous brother up there. And the 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 sister is down there with you. And they have this whole back and forth. And then he telekinetically like chokes her. Mm-hmm. And then he throws her through a wall. And she goes, you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So she gets thrown through this wall. And that sound effect of a wall exploding has to time with her crashing through the wall. So somebody has to hit the cue or... They have. They hear the. They hear a certain cue baked into the actual score, and then the actor knows that he, that's when he needs to choke. And then when he flicks his wrist, flicks his wrist to throw her, that is another cue within the sound design. So I send the actors the tracks, the musical tracks to listen to before the show, mm. so they get it in their heads. Um, so. I mean, it's kind of nuts because you have to like time somebody flying through the air to break through a wall that actually has to time to the sound effect. Like, it doesn't happen perfectly every time for sure, but when it does happen, it's like holy shit! I... It's it's insane.
0: No, so so I'm glad away... you said that about sending because in my head I was going, "How long are your dress rehearsals?"
3: Not <laughs> not nearly long enough. Not nearly long enough, man. It's it's crazy. I mean, they the days are long, but. We, need, we always need a lot more rehearsal. First weekend. That's why we have preview weekends. <laughs> <laughs> the sound design. I love it. Have you seen the VR series? Have you?
1: Uh, I saw the trailer. I, I recently got an Oculus, so I was able to see uh, the trailer when it dropped, but I haven't seen the actual the movie.
3: Oh, yeah. It's, it's super cool.
1: I did see in the trailer one of my favorite scenes from any delusion show is uh, there's a creature that's included from Lies Within
0: oh yeah that's also. I'm, I, I guarantee you I know what you're talking yep. about it's also one of my favorite scenes ever in Delusion
3: oh you yeah you, I mean you can say yeah, I'll spoil it <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah obviously it's the
3: there's the puppet master yeah. that I imagine oh wait maybe not that guy oh it's the I know which one you're talking about yeah, alright so we won't spoil that one yeah for it, me it's not yes. the puppet okay, master it's not yeah, the puppet else. master it's, so. it's some other yeah, yeah she's hot okay <laughs> <laughs> put it that way uh yeah that was a fun one well yeah. played yes check out that series because it's, it's well it's let's talk cool. about
0: the vr it's yeah, like, yeah. It, how do people it's like you've released the trailer the trailer's fascinating lies within is is one of my personal favorites of delusion mm-hmm. uh you i got to break into a house thanks to you that was so cool oh yeah <laughs> everybody wants
3: to do that thing i know
0: so, so true. i've never done that before
3: yeah so. right <laughs> Isn't that what this is all about? Like, that's, that's it. That's why I love doing stunts. Like who, everybody wants to slide their cars. Everybody wants to like jump off a bit, like the, well, not that you want to, mm-hmm. but you imagine doing these things and I get to do them. Like that's, that's part of this whole thing is like, you get to break into a house. So yeah. you, you're welcome. Right. Uh, <laughs> so glad where you do got people,
0: the, uh, please give us the information on the VR.
3: Yeah. So the VR series is based off the 2014 play, uh, the same name lies within and, uh, it is season one. So it is half of the story. Um, season two is, I wrote it, it's done. It just, we just need to shoot it. Um, but you can see the first, um, four episodes on, uh, on, uh, Samsung mm-hmm. Samsung is our distributor. They've distributed to 52 different countries around the world. And then we have another distributor called digital domain and digital domain is our Chinese distributor. So if you're living in China and listening to this, you can see it out there, but, um, other than that, you, you have to you can get it now from the Samsung VR app. Okay. Uh for yeah, for only four ninety nine, which is crazy. I I would have charged more for that, but that I wasn't in charge of that whole thing. But um yeah, you see the first four episodes and then we have another six. And uh it's it was super fun and super liberating and relaxing to shoot that because um I don't have to worry about the next group of people coming into the show, right? right? <laughs> And I got to, you know, we talked about sound design and music. I got to really like focus on the, you know, this is 360 ambisonic sound. Like we did, we put a lot of work into, I'll just say like, if you, when you see it, you really feel like you've ripped the movie screen apart and you actually like stepped into it and you're, you're really in there. So, uh, I mean, the only other, the better thing would be, you know, the live show, I guess, you know, that that's, that's the most sort of tangible equivalent, um,
0: did the, you actually fun. shoot in the house?
3: We shot it in the house that we did the play. Oh. Yeah. The exteriors we shot in Topanga Canyon. It takes place in South Carolina, but we, we got lucky. It was a big rain, so everything turned green out there. So we shot it in Topanga Canyon on the approach to the house, and then the interiors were at the house that we did the play in, and then uh, one scene in the house we did at the 2012 house, and, um, one of, one of the scenes we did there. So yeah, it was super fun.
1: And the whole VR idea, was that something you came up with, or is that something that someone came to you and was like, hey, this would be cool in doing this in VR. Let's let's talk.
3: Yeah. Uh it was definitely it was not my idea. I was actually not a VR fan. I didn't I didn't enjoy it at all. Um and my one of my um my good friends and uh future producers, he produced a show, his name's Uh, Dave Brzezowski, he and I, uh, actually his name is right here too, I I credited him to help me write this one, The Blue Blade. Um, He came up to me, he's like, hey look, what what a cool idea to kind of take the theater aspect, the 360 theater aspect, and put it in VR. I mean, it's kind of a a no-brainer. And I thought, no, this I don't know, VR's not really a great medium. I just, it's hard to choir it's hard to like down it, it just it was just tough in my mind but eventually i got sold on it um he just kept talking to me about it and i kept thinking about it and uh, i was like yeah you know it kind of does make sense because you know i can place the camera in the ideal position the guest would be in the live show so um i can really focus on trying to tell the story it's all about everything is about telling this story so how can i tell this story in the best way i could i wanted to make this as a feature and we still might at some point but um he he kind of convinced me to do it and then i i signed a deal with um skybound so skybound entertainment is robert kirkman's company the walking dead guy so he he um i signed a a contract with them where we kind of partnered on on this project together and uh they took on the whole production team role and um and co-producers and uh they really pushed it along with Dave and I just started to, I, it's kind of cool. Cause I was like, I'm a VR skeptic that became <laughs> like, I wouldn't say I'm a lover of VR, but I'm just, I, I started to, as we moved through the process, I started to really believe in the idea of transforming interactive theater into VR because it kind of, because it, cause it made sense. Um, so yeah, it was kind of Dave's idea and then it all, it took two, two years, two and a half years. And it just got released December 24th, 2018. Mm-hmm. And now it's out there. Finally. And
0: you said there was a season two on the way. Do you have plans for season that two. yet? To- I mean, as
3: I said, it's written and ready to shoot, but we don't have any shoot dates yet. Right. Yeah. We'll see how this one does. Cause VR is still tough, man. It's still such a, I mean, Mike, you know, like, uh, I mean, you do some VR. We were just talking about before the podcast. You were talking about... Resident Evil. 7. Resident Evil, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, like, still people think, like, VR and gaming is a lot of fun. But, like, well, we're, this is not a game. This is not uh choose your own event. This is... You You have no... This is... You're inside of the movie, and you're just relaxing on a swivel chair and being inside of the story. Um, But the but this is the nascent stage of VR. Like it still is very hard to uh, very hard to distribute. It's hard to like monetize off it. Um, even our series, I mean, I you have to, you have a Samsung VR account and you have to have an Oculus account to get the series. Um, it's still not, we're all sort of learning together on how mm-hmm. to do this. But I think we've, if I, I said, I did say in the beginning of the VR process, I said, look, if we're going to do this, this has to be the most cinematic VR project that exists. Like if we're going to do something, let's do it right. Let's do it big. And, uh, I have to say, honestly, it is, I've seen a ton of VR now. It is the most, it is, it is that it's super cinematic. The camera we shot in looks great. Everything, everything looks really cool. It is the most cinematic you'll see. So I, we, Samsung, obviously, you know, Samsung believed in it too. So they signed on and, um, they want to push VR and mm-hmm. they're using this as like a platform to help push that. We'll
0: see how it does. So you have ventured into VR. What other formats are you looking at for Delusion to expand into? Um, so
3: now I'm starting to write the, um, the podcast version of his Crimson Queen, The Vampire Show. I want to do that as a old school radio drama. Like, um, nice. I thought that would be a lot of fun that outline's finished and I need to kind of, I need to start diving into that whole story. Did well, I, I, I love that story.
1: Will that? all the voices be done by you? <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: my God, yeah. One of them will. <laughs> I am going to choose one of them. I'm not sure which one yet. The leading lady.
2: That would be delightful.
3: <laughs> that was horrible. Maybe I won't. I'm fired. I think, I think that'd be super cool. Mm-hmm. I just, I love the idea of like, I mean, you guys, you guys are in the podcast world like, you guys would be totally into it, wouldn't you? Like a, <laughs> yeah, like a vampire, old school vampire uh, tale. Like, And this tale too, like the way I'm kind of writing it, it's super exciting. It's just such a cool, like, it's a cool story and it's becoming even like grander than the 2016 show. And uh, so, I mean, long story short, is there's a, there's a whole strategy to expand the delusion stories mm-hmm. and that's the focus. Um, the focus is, it's not some, the theater thing is definitely a part of it. But the, the journey is going to be the v, VR aspect is the first one. Then hopefully the podcast, uh, the radio drama, and then, um, uh, comic book through skybound and, and image comics and stuff like that. Uh, and then ultimately I, I mean, I say this every time and i I say it because I need it to manifest as like, there's going to be a delusion TV series. At some point there's, it's just tailor-made and it would be based off the 2011 and 12 show because those things are kind of connected. We're gonna do a TV series at some point, and it's gonna be fucking badass.
0: Looking forward to all of that. Knock it. on wood.
3: <laughs> so.
1: so what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> it's not enough? Oh my god! It's like kind of, um, well, but in a it, children's story <laughs> for my oh, daughter. Yeah. But kind of going along in that question, how do you keep, how do you keep upping the ante? You know, for example, you've you've done stunts, you had people fly through the air. Then you have you have creature effects. Now you're doing VR. Like, how do you keep going to that next level?
3: Well, a lot of CBD oil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm never, I'm, I guess I'm like, um, any other sort of person in this field, like artists trying to, I've never, I, I don't really love my stuff to be honest. Like, uh, I think it's, there's some cool shit out there, but like, I'm always trying to like better myself and try to push myself. So, maybe that's a good thing is like never being complacent and never being like fully accepting of like, oh, this is like, I fully know that that, that there's plenty of, you know, my shit stinks, you know? And uh, it needs to, and I just need to keep like trying to get better and better at it. Um, I'm a pretty upbeat person, but uh, I don't, but this stuff, I like about 60% of like what I'm doing. There's about 60 or 70%. And I think like that drives me to a constant critic. Like I'm my worst critic. Like I just, I think, and this is, again, this is nothing new. Like we all, we all have experienced this. Like we don't, you guys have, I assume you guys have created things. You're like, Oh, this kind of not really mm-hmm. happy with that. Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing. Kind of, it's the same kind of thing. Like, okay, well I'm not happy with this and I need to, uh, I need to create something else because I have to fill that, that other, that 40% void that, that, this other thing sucked so I got to do something else but then you do something else and then six, you like 60% of that so it just keeps like this whole like vicious cycle of things but I have some stories that I really want to create and I really want to put out there and the the the, the, the feeling and the emotion the power behind those stories are so strong that I just I I I, I can't be stopped good let's put there. happy out. to hear you say that even if I'm completely broken, you know, knocking on your door, being you like, can I come in and play, you know, Resident Evil with you, Mike? Will you let me in?
1: That should be a podcast of its own. That yeah. should be a video podcast, <laughs> a vlog, what the kids say. There you go. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. But... I don't we'll want to talk that about out.
3: that traumatic experience. Back, yeah. <laughs> I see that on your, I don't know why I have this voice going. I have no idea where that came from. So ask John who hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny thing. I've, it's funny. It's so funny. I like, like, why do you love horror so much? I'm like, well, I don't love, I mean, I had a, I had a spectacular childhood. Awesome. I had a great, I have great parents and a spectacular childhood. I have no complaints where the fuck this shit came from. I have no idea. So, I mean, you got like t- 2014. I have a, you had to go into this room and scrub this woman's back while she's masturbating in a bathtub. I did that. Okay. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> there you go. Um, where would that come from? I don't know. I just, who knows where this shit comes from? Fantasies, I guess. I don't
1: know. So, speaking of your fantasies and the stories that you have to tell, with the Blue Blade extending till June, will we see something new in, in October?
3: Uh it's a great question um if you can answer it. Can't answer it because not just because like there's some secret behind it, but um we're literally so focused on this that it's uh, hard to think about October. I know it's like it's going to come up fast again. I-, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of really great opportunities that are being presented right now and I kind of have to choose which direction to go in. I will say that uh we're going to have to play with the format of the show. It can't, it can't continue exactly like in this format. I think it can, there can be certain times of the day where you can actually like do the linear delusion format. But I think, it, um, as we move forward and if we want this to be a sustainable thing, I need to think about ways to, um, tell these stories, but in, um, in a, in a slightly different format. Uh, this has been a passion project for six years and, um, it's coming to a head where it's like okay you better buy your tickets for this one because i don't know where it's going to go from here i don't know if it's going to continue in this in this specific format because because I, I need to relieve that the financial pressure of these shows as well as like the stress behind it there's an ungodly amount of stress that goes on with these shows and i i need to remove that kind of stuff for myself and for the team it's just it's it's becoming very difficult I just went on a tangent there. Quick answer is, I don't know what's going to happen in October. Let's, let's tackle that issue another time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is becoming like a venting podcast for me. Vent away. Fuck everything. God more, damn it.
1: <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> do, you, do you want more wine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. Are you
3: sure? Uh, soon. Soon. All right. Just let us know. Actually, actually do you have some water? I can. Uh, yes, certainly. it would be great. Do you need anything, Mike? Nope. Thanks. With The Nest. Okay, so I'm here at uh, at Russell's house, and I see uh, a uh, tape for The Nest. So The Nest. Well, I didn't get to see it, unfortunately, but um, Jared and... Uh, oh, thank you. But The Nest is a really cool show. Like It got inspired by... And Jeff. Yes, Jared and Jeff. Um, there we go. It came to me. <laughs> Somehow. And uh, these guys were, were some of the uh, artists on my show in 2016. And... Um, Talk about going back to what you were saying, Mike, about the inspirational thing. Like they get, they got really inspired by the show, and they're like, "Let's do our own thing." So the Nest came out of that. Like they they went off and did that, and because um, they built, if you if you guys remember, and uh, anybody who went to the 2016 show, there's like this attic, and you kind of crawl. You're left alone, and you crawl through like this attic area, and so that kind of helped inspire their their project.
0: And uh, I heard great things about it. I wish I got to see it.
1: It was fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, probably one of my favorite things that entire year. Oh my god, that's so cool to hear. Well, I don't go to any.
1: Well, that I was just going to ask what have you gone to that you've really enjoyed?
3: <laughs> it's going to sound so weird, but I just I'm a I don't think I'm the right person for these experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to any of them. The only I uh I just I feel very this it sounds so weird because I'm creating these things, but I feel very uncomfortable at these things. Like, I just feel really weird about, like, actors looking at me and, like, wanting, like, talking to me about things. I just, I, it just feels strange for me. And I, um, but I know there's a market for it, obviously. So I've been to, uh, Wicked Lit. Wicked Lit, I've, um, I'm always a fan of because I love the literary aspect of it. And I love old school, anything old school horror. Um, I love their venue. Um, I love the, it. It encompasses the whole feeling of the fall like in Wicked Lit. I've been to um, The Willows, Justin's project. I um, know one of my actors, a couple of my actors, you know, Dasha and Galen are in it. And uh, uh, that was fun. Um, but again, that was something that like I could see how a lot of people would like that. And I, I mean, it's not that I didn't like it. I just, I'm not the right <laughs> audience for that. I just wanted to leave whole time (laughs) actually my only thought was like wow they have this cool house and uh they didn't have to spend that much money on the production design (laughs) like i should really take a lesson from that um i did do blackout i did blackout once with neil it was in 2012 after the show after delusion neil Neil neil's like you gotta come with me to this thing Blackout. i'm like what is it he's like he explained it to me i'm like not for me. <laughs> and um, he's like, come on, you got to go. I'm like, okay, fine. So we went and he, um, he was like giddy. The guy was like super giddy going through it. He just loves that shit. And I just was like, I just want to leave. I just like, <laughs> I'd stick my hand in like a toilet with like vomit or something. And mm-hmm.
0: I was like, oh, God, this is
1: not for me. That was the first LA show, right? Yeah, it was the first yeah. LA.
0: That was kind of like the yeah. greatest hit show for Blackout. And that's where Mike and I both discovered Blackout.
3: Oh no! Shit! Yeah,
0: yeah, that was that season.
3: Oh, that's funny. Did I go to any other ones? Yeah, Willows, Wicked Lid, Blackout, and um, I love like Knott's Berry Farm in, in the uh-huh. in the in the fall. I think that's super cool. For me, it's like fall again. Just to to get into my mind, like fall to me. You ever see Over the Garden Wall, that cartoon? You ever heard of that? No, no. I'm not familiar with it. So it's on Cartoon Network. Uh, Over the Garden Wall. It's a um, kind of a kids show but it's has it got some adult themes to it animated show okay um well if you haven't seen it then it's hard to explain but it basically encompasses all the things i love in fall like i grew up in chicago with like the smell of the fall and like the just running around with friends and like the magic of it and um and just wearing just being somebody else just being somebody else for that time period and uh that show really encompassed all of them all the things i love about the halloween season um so it's it's th- those kind of like i wouldn't say so much wholesome things but kind of uh, and then it kind of went in a darker direction and i thought i didn't i wasn't so like terribly into that but i'm a fucking i dude i say this but at the same time we did this whole demonic thing where right? 2012 was this show with like demons coming <laughs> busting through walls of vampires feasting at each other incest and masturbating uh women in bathtubs and <laughs> Like all this crazy shit. So, who am I to say? Like, we don't go dark. I don't know. We go dark. But um, anyway, where were, Where are we going? What was the question? About stuff you've seen. <laughs> stuff I've life. seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just that stuff. And uh, I just like good theater, good stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think my overall favor would be probably Wicked Lit just from just moving through the mausoleum and moving through the cemetery. I thought that was really. No. This is really cool. It's a, good, it's a good energy. Yeah. What about you guys? What's your sort of like uh, your fall favorite kind of thing? I, I'll ask that being delusion. You know, you don't, <laughs> forget about delusion. Just, that doesn't <laughs> exist. What's, what do you guys really like?
0: Well, delusion has to exist. Delusion is one of the favorite things uh, for the adventure aspect. Yeah. It was like delusion is definitely part of the mix. Uh, I, I'm someone who tries to go to the theme park stuff every. Other year or every third year because they're a bit too conga line and Mm -hmm. predictable to me. So I like anything that's unpredictable. So I try to go to home haunts and I try to you know explore Mm -hmm. that territory uh, whenever possible. And uh, I do like you know the immersive theater stuff. Which two years ago I went to Miasma in Chicago, which was Mm -hmm. is considered an extreme haunt. It has some very extreme physical elements in it. Uh but I also love that it has a kind of a psychological surreal aspect to it as well. Um this past season I thought Theater macabre was a fascinating experiment. And it's like and it's funny 'cause y I of all the things that happened in Los Angeles this past season, that was the controversial one that I some people just as like respected it but didn't enjoy it, or respected it and did enjoy it but didn't really Get it, and, and I just am fascinated that a piece can create such diverse reactions. And I think that's a that's exciting for me to go through something that can create that in an audience. Mm-hmm. Like so many people walk away with completely different opinions of it. Yeah. I just find that fascinating. I went to
3: that. Sorry, that's another one I did go to. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so and it's like, and I found it fascinating. And but you but you were saying about being uncomfortable or not being the person for that. That's, that's a show, which I think a lot of people had a problem with. Oh, yeah. You had to go aggressively find the show. Mm-hmm. Once you were inside, you had to aggressively start the conversations and you had to go for it. And, and if you weren't prepared to do that, and if that made you a little uncomfortable, I could see where that show would be very challenging to enjoy or get the fullest amount out of it that you could. Yeah. So Mike.
1: Oh, I grew up in in New England so I oh, know what so you mean fall. about yeah. fall. So oh, yeah. a lot of the things that I've found myself really enjoying is this the same thing that brings me back to my youth like the smell of cold. Like I know that doesn't make sense to a lot of people in LA but you but oh, when yeah. there's trees and leaves turning and the wind like you smell fall. Yeah. And things like just traditional type haunted houses like, uh, this past year it wasn't open, but Mabel's six feet under, it's a, mm. just a good traditional haunted house. And, yeah. um, the trilogy of terror by Freakling brothers in Vegas, um, as far as haunted houses go. And then I heard that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. They and are then, awesome. Yeah. You know, theater macabre this year was, was, it blew my mind. Um, you know, and creep creeps awake, like, you know, the, the things that, you know, I'm sorry if I'm going to make you feel awkward, but I, I I want to thank you because I I really do think that without you, a lot of these things wouldn't be happening. So, delusion really gave me that first sense of wait, I, I can talk. I can, I can, what? What do you do? What I'm in the show? Like you know, it, and it, it yeah. made me realize cool. I liked it, and then I searched it out from that point. And I think a lot of a lot of companies that are doing that now, like they they owe you some respect.
3: <laughs> Should take royalties from every one of them. Should work out a deal. Mike, you could be the manager. Sure. You could like give me a cut of everybody's show. I do work in licensing. Hey. He does. <laughs> uh, well here we go. <laughs> Keep an eye out for Mike. He's gonna be uh, <clears throat> negotiating with each and every one of you <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> that, that's so funny. Yeah, that that is the smell yeah, man. I mean, I've been out in LA since ninety eight and like it's never gotten any easier. Like I love Fall is the best season just to smell the like you 're saying everything you're saying is like it's spot on um I have my family has a cabin in Vermont and we I go to Vermont like every fall like this imagine the smell of in the leaves the leaves are like bright red, and the smell of fall like that 's real true that would be if I have a dream of doing a show, it would be in a place like Vermont and create a delusion out there with that 's during the fall season with like using the actual elements of of you know natural fall season uh I oh have it if you're so cool. If
1: you're ever able to get to Massachusetts in October, I think they do this every year. This past year I was in October. I went to old Starbridge Village and what that is, it's it's a eighteen hundreds um or seventeen hundreds reenactment village. Mm-hmm. Um so that's where kids go on field trips. at like when I was a kid Plantation? I would go there. no old Starbridge Village. It's uh <laughs> oh, sorry. in Thanks. between like Springfield and Worcester they do sheep shearing and they do blacksmithing. It's like yeah. very teachable. But during Halloween, they do a production of sleepy hollow oh, out there. See, and awesome. everything so awesome. that you just mentioned so cool. was that show. And oh. I came back and I told Russell like, you need to travel and do this. <laughs> it's amazing. And
3: yeah, you just, yeah, you don't have to do, you don't have to do much there. You just use the elements. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. this well, he
0: showed, yeah. He showed a picture that, like I was sold anyway with just his description, but the picture you showed me of the walkway with lit the by f- yeah. flaming torches, oh. like you can't create that. That's you're out in nature with flaming torches, light, torches, lighting your way. Oh. Like, I was like, I would, and, and everything you're saying about the smell and the, the cold and the, and all of that. And like, this, I'm sold. I oh man.
3: It. Yeah. It's there's something so special about that. I love that. Yeah. we had, I mentioned to you, Mike, about the Plymouth Plantation, which you know about, I assume. Mm-hmm. So they, they reached out. It was like three years ago, and they wanted to do some kind of delusion event there. It just never happened. But like, um, I thought, oh, that would be cool to do something out there in uh, Massachusetts. So I'm going to take a look at the uh, the picture right now, the movie that Mike's showing me,
1: <laughs> Sleepy Hollow. <clears throat> but all of those are like tiki torches, because there's no electricity in the 1800s.
3: Yeah, see, they're out in the pitch black dark with torches and cool little sleepy hollow sign. That's cool. And there was an actual horse. <laughs> Did you get on a carriage ride or something? No. Yeah, you can't. You can't make that stuff. Like, and sm- that's funny because I like we talk about the the fall smell. Like that's something I, you know, I. It's so intoxicating. It's hard to explain to anybody who doesn't really. Exp- when I go to Vermont or I go to Chicago and I, f- I smell fall, I li- my spirit like, rises mm. in a grand way. It's hard to explain, but um, that's where I, I, we 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 play around with smells sometimes in my show, but very rarely. But in twenty thirteen, <laughs> it's funny because Vic- Victor, my assistant director, he uh, he's very big on smells. So he's like, you really get people like you know you use that sense because i don't use it enough and so we had like a morgue sequence i don't know if you guys remember you go <clears throat> you get on this gurney and one person gets in the mm-hmm. gurney and they get rolled into the morgue and that's how you kind of infiltrate and he wanted to get uh the smell of like you know rotten flesh or like just just disgusting shit so he went in there and sprayed all this he bought this stuff from amazon or something and sprayed just disgusting shit in there and the actor almost quit. He's just like, he came out in between, in between the play. And he's like, what the fuck is this smell? I can't work like this. Shit. And we, we had to shut down the show for a little bit. Cause we had to open up the doors. It was, so, he sprayed too much. It was so bad. We had to stall the group and get a fan in there and get rid of it. I mean, it was nauseating. It was just,
0: that was horrible. Anyway. Yeah. I'm trying to remember one year, uh, when I was working with the evil twin guys, I'm trying to remember we had a tunnel you had to crawl through, And I believe it was the rotting flesh smell we put in the tunnel. I think that was it, except everyone thought it was vomit. So patrons kept coming out saying, I think you should check the tunnel. I think someone threw up in there. Oh, Jesus. Every time somebody says that, you have to check it out. Mm-hmm. So all night long, somebody says there was vomit in the tunnel again. <laughs> and it became this running thing of like we were constantly going through the tunnel. And it was just oh the smell that was chosen to be used in that tunnel. Oh, that's uh, disgusting. We're, we're kind of talking about, Mike <clears throat> asked you the question of what you've seen. You said that your horror isn't your go-to necessarily. So as a kid, what interested you and inspired you? Uh,
3: my biggest inspirations were uh games, role playing games. Like oh, I was really? a Dungeons and Dragons kid, you know. That was me. I would play D&D all the time. And um quick very funny interesting stories like I would play D&D with a group of friends and um one of them was uh the dungeon master for the group and he uh grew up to create Game of Thrones. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> he's he it was like a perfect kind of uh a transition for this guy, Dan Weiss, DB Weiss. He's like, wow. He's, yeah. He's, uh, he's wrote many of the episodes, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. So he, that was pretty cool. Like a uh, total name drop there, but it was an interesting story because it kind of like, we all were into that same kind of thing. So I was a, yeah, D and D kid. And then, um, yeah, I grew up during the whole like role playing. I'm I'm 44. I'm, I was, this is during Apple II E, Apple II G S and all this kind of computer games when they like King's Quest came out and um uh, Baldur's Gate and all these like role playing games that a lot of us, you know, used to play. Um those were huge inspirations for me, as well as camp. I was a camp kid. So I would go up to Wisconsin and go to camp uh every summer and uh, as a camper and then as a counselor and um I just every year I would be like constant like I would either create scavenger hunts for the kids. This is a really funny story. I would scare the, sh- I was known as the, per- this makes perfect sense, but I would <laughs> scare the shit out of the entire camp constantly. I was, it was a constant, um, like fear fest for everybody. And I would get blamed for everything because I would just, I I'd, I'd bring up masks and I would scare people like, you know, up in the woods, like, you know, like Jason, that was, that was me basically. And, um, I go off in these big tangents of stories. Sorry, but this is an interesting story, so I'll just make it quick. Like I was, I scared the hell out of this one girl's cabin, and they, I had, I put on this really creepy mask. Actually, it was the Michael Myers mask. That's what it was. And I was standing in the the, the window, and I just these girls were screaming their fucking heads off, and um, I ran away. And I was a I was a counselor at that time, and then I took the mask off. I went back into my room. Nobody saw me. And then the camp director came out and gathered most of the crew, most of the uh, counselors and said, we have somebody who's scaring all the kids here. We need to search for this person. And uh, John, I want you to lead the, the team. <laughs> and uh, I was like, all right, I'll find him. I swear, I'll find him. We'll do it. So so for the next like two hours, I, I was the coordinator and leader of all the camp counselors looking for myself. <laughs> and uh, I would like, just fuck with everybody. I'd be like, okay, you guys go over there. I think I heard something in the woods. You guys go off and um, explore over there. And then I'd, I'd go off and I'd lead another group into the woods and um, or near a cabin. I'd pretend to hear something over here. And it was just it was two hours of like crazy fun of manipulating people. But so it was the camp life, sort of the freedom and exploration and fun of um, of adventurous fun in the woods, and as well as like the fantasy adventure games hmm. that i would play like those things were big escapes for me fantasy uh novels are is my that's my favorite genre i would read you know all the Mar- margaret wise tracy hickman novels david eddings novels uh, i read a lot of stephen king novels um not that that's fantasy but it, it's i would consider that still in a similar
0: vein think uh, it's very Rice. psychological and mental yeah, a lot of his characters have interior monologues. It's I think one of the reasons people have so much problem translating his stuff to film.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, it's rare that you get like a good quality adaptation. Uh, Misery was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Actually, <laughs> that's a spectacular one. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's really I. You know, we can look back on our childhood and, and pinpoint certain things that brought you to where you are today. And it's definitely role playing games. Um, that's that was it, man. That was it, and I continue to play them now. You know, not as much as I. I'm still working on Skyrim. When did that come out? That was like (laughs) five years ago, ten Mm -hmm. years ago.
1: That's in VR too now.
3: Really? Yeah. All right, I get it. I really need to. I'm I'm playing it. Actually, this story, the Blue Blade. I, you know, I hit a wall. I hit a writer's block for a while, and I went to GameStop, the the gaming store, and I was like, dude. I'm having trouble with this story. I just, I need to get out of my head. Like, do you have any, like I'm a writer. I just need, do you have anything that like, I don't know, might help me get through this writer's block. And he mentioned this game called Alan Wake. You ever heard about it? No. Alan Wake is about a, about a writer that suffers from writer's block. And he goes, he goes off to this Island with his wife. And, um, he, he gets sort of terrorized by his stories. Like his stories are coming to life in this Island. And he, um, he has to sort of, conquer his own demons uh in a way and uh it's super terrifying so i bought that game and started playing that game and that helped me get out of writer's block you know to continue the the blue blade um but yeah gaming is gaming is of utmost importance and i need to do more of it so even seeing you mike like playing a game like i was like dude i gotta play more of this shit what system do you play on i just have an xbox it's an xbox i still have an xbox 360 i'm still playing like as I said Skyrim and I have uh Alan Wake and I don't have I'm I don't play nearly as much as I should.
1: So I just I need to make more time for that. Well you're more than welcome anytime. No, we can we, can we can <laughs> have gaming nights. <laughs> Show there you go. all the new stuff.
0: Oh man. My, Mike you. has gotten me into I've I've never been a gamer. I've my entire life I have never been a gamer. Mm. And what was it, a year and some
1: change two years has it been two years well i got well psvr came out two years ago in 2016 like right before the holidays and i think that's when i forced you to play some games and you're like yep i'm gonna get one.
0: Oh, he 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 was very sneaky uh <laughs> he showed me a couple of vr things he showed me like do this and they were a simple puzzle there's an escape room type game there's a and then he puts the vr thing on my head and unleashes me in the world of Batman. (laughs) And I was like, I must own this. (laughs) And so he was very sneaky about getting me into gaming. He was like, oh, just try this, try this. And then he blows my mind with, what was it, Arkham? Mm
3: -hmm. Oh my God. That's in VR? Jesus.
0: And and also, but and the reason I, I wanted to share that is the thing that blew me away and the thing that, being that I've never played games in my life, the thing that blew me away was there were jump scares. There was a plot twist that I literally screamed in Mike's living room. I actually screamed out loud when it happened <laughs> and it's in story driven, like absolutely story driven. Oh, and I was like, wait, this is what gaming can be <laughs> because I didn't get it. The fact that you're, you're talking about role-playing games, like absolutely. They're, they're just fuel for oh, and for inspiration. Sure. And I'm now just now discovering it. And you know, I, I, because I'm not a gamer, I, I don't find it intuitive. I still feel very awkward holding a controller in my hands because mm-hmm. I, I didn't grow up with one. But I mean, Mike has introduced me to some wonderful stuff, you know? And it's like, Hey, it's one of the reasons I like having him as a friend.
1: <laughs> hey, he so, so you're using me is what uh, you just no. admitted. <laughs> you guys <laughs> no. use each other. Come on. He, he,
0: Mike is like, 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 come over to this dark corner and let me show you what lies here. There you go. <laughs> That's Mike.
1: <laughs> I'm like the video game drug dealer. Yeah.
0: yeah. A little bit. A you kind of look bit. like it. You got the hoodie. Well, I got
3: a hoodie too, but I'm yeah, black. <laughs> but I should see him here.
1: But going, but to your point, Russell, I mean, we like, granted, when you play, when you're online gaming, you're not hanging out. But, you know, when you're playing a multiplayer game and you're on chat, we hang out almost every night now. Yeah. You know, whereas I would purposely miss your calls on purpose if you were calling me but now like we're talking in the game and every night and you know with other other fans of haunts and things and our conversations when they're not the killers over here it's hey what are you doing this weekend what show are you oh you saw that show oh cool i'll go check it out yeah yeah
3: there's there's that world is uh it's it's huge and it's severely underestimated like you were saying, Russell, it's, it's super inspiring. I, I think underestimated I, it. Yeah, I did. I think most people do. They just think when you think gaming, if you step outside of the gaming world, you think gaming, you're like, oh, sh-, you know, people just killing each other. And it's just a stupid kind of thing. But then it's a whole world that I wish everybody got into because, I mean, it's. I mean, all in moderation. Obviously, you don't want to be sitting. There. The multiplayer games can consume. I know, I know, two people oh, yeah. in general. I can think of right now. Their complete, their lives were destroyed. Their family Ooh. is destroyed by it because they just got con- completely consumed by it. Um, that aside, it's super inspirational, and it's. I and I don't even think it's just inspirational. I actually think gaming is vital to our evolution. I think. Yeah. I think we learn everything we learn better through gaming we inspire imagination through gaming not just when you inspire yourself like creatively through gaming you you leave the gaming world and you're on a high you're on a high afterwards and you can maybe you go and you write a little story it could be something minor you just write you write down something that you worked on or you it inspires you to continue a project further than you uh, have taken it before so gaming is um I said this once in some other interview. We were talking about it, like if I don't play the the less I play games, the the more I suffer from this boring adulthood. You know, just kind of like it's 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 dull. You know, so I think there's a power in gaming that's grander than most people can even fathom.
0: I'm I'm just I think I'm just beginning to appreciate it.
3: Yeah. And there's a game for you. I mean, I don't know what kind of games you like. I mean, do you like, what What have you, you played the Arkham game, but what
0: other, have you played other games? The VR game Farpoint, I actually really enjoyed, which is one person roaming through a landscape, discovering the story as you do, and then things try to
1: kill you
2: uh, but as with, that happens. But
1: with Farpoint, you have a gun controller that they made for it. And when you're in VR, you look down because you're holding a gun, like a gun controller in real life. You look down, and you're holding a gun and you just move it. Yeah. And it's awesome. And there's a PvP mode. And there were times it was Russell, like me versus Russell. And I would sneak behind him to flank him. And I'm like, hey, Russell, turn around. And he'd turn around and I had the gun right in his face and shoot him in the face.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God.
3: (laughs) He's just like your your play toy. (laughs) This sums up our relationship, our friendship. (laughs) Hey, Russell, how you doing? Right in the face.
1: He did it several times. You, sh- you after this interview, you should play Farpoint. Like at least, yeah. For like- I'd love to
3: check it out. Actually, I want to play. Uh, I want to buy a new system, and I want to play um, uh, Red Dead Redemption too. Oh like, yeah, that I hear is a spectacular
0: game. Uh, I have watched someone play it, and it is. You know, you're talking about immersive theater. Red Dead uh, Redemption has sort of a free roaming, open, like open world, world. Yeah. aspect yeah. to it where and then there are missions within it but it is a lot of where you can just roam and you'll encounter characters and meet people and learn about them and then there are missions that you can go on as well but that was the fascinating thing to me watching someone play that is it it's an open world video game
3: that stuff is that's that's what i liked about skyrim i'll find myself like the reason why i never finish it is because i'll literally just walk and i'll find a river and I'll just like stare at the river for <laughs> for like you know twenty minutes. Like oh, this is so pretty because you can see the le- you know the winds blowing through the leaves, oh. and I'm like oh, this is so nice. I love rivers. so I'll just, be, just sit there and <laughs> like oh, there's a quest I got to do. Those games are a bit overwhelming because they're. I always feel like I have to do. There's just so much to it. Like I I feel overwhelmed. Like I I have to take this quest. This like this mm-hmm. this this. this uh, shopkeeper has a problem with you know in his dungeon like I, and he enlists me to go help with the dungeon but I have this other quest I have to do and I'm like shit I'm never going to get to the, the the final and the ending of this this, this game but uh, I just I get consumed in those things and I just don't uh, I never finish them so which as a, a new Marvel, gamer I,
0: and I've commented to Mike about this I actually like the fact that you know, like Dead by Daylight has you know, uh, an agenda and the agenda is for this round. And so each round is 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how good the players are, Mm -hmm. sometimes five to 10. (laughs) (laughs) But, and then like the Friday, the 13th was the first game I spent a lot of time and that's like a 20 minutes. Yeah. Like each round is 20 minutes. So it's very easy to check in, have a little fun and then check out. Uh, I'm just now starting to realize the idea of the role playing stuff. I'm just now beginning to see the potential of that, you know. And the Arkham thing in particular was, like I said, was just mind blowing to me of how emotionally invested I got in the last act of the story.
2: Mm.
3: Yes,
0: right. And th- those those story games.
3: Uh, have you have you ever heard of Grim Fandango? Mm-hmm. Have you played that? I haven't played it. Um, so. I'd recommend uh, it's it's my number one favorite game of all time. Really? Yeah. And I, and I say that just because of the story. If you you played the game, so I don't know if it's exactly your thing, but like it it did. It was a Lucas Lucasfilm or Lucas Arts. Sorry, Lucas was uh very they they. Going back to that question you were asking about like um the inspiration. Lucas Arts did a lot of story games. They had um oh, what the fuck's the name of it? Uh, the Dig. And then they had the Indiana Jones series, the fate of Atlantis and a few other Indiana Jones stuff. And then they had, um, Grim Fandango. So Grim Fandango is a classic adventure game where you play the character of like Manny Calavera, where
0: you're like a, a travel agent to the dead. Um, wait, somebody has recommended this to me before. Really? Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, okay. But so, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, no, but, uh, uh, no, go ahead. You, well, I want you to, I mean, I bring it up cause I want you to experience it. Like, um, it's just it is the consummate story game, like it is an incredible story, and it's a it's beautifully rendered and it's all like um day of the dead artwork that's the sort of right. uh, artwork of it, and that was a huge inspiration for our story story games but um that's that's a super fun one because you don't you you pretty much stay in the linear path, you're not breaking up into open world kind of stuff. Uh, and that not, there's anything wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing. But the, this this one could sort of epitomized the adventure game after the whole Sierra games, like after the King's Quest series and the Police Quest, and I mean all that shit. But um, I think adventure games are are vital. And that they, they, they definitely you know that was the main that was the main inspiration for all this stuff. Everything the illusion came from those from adventure games. So I can thank I can thank Lucas Arts. <laughs> This episode of "My Home Life" is brought to you by not just Dr. Pepper or the Hong Valley uh, <laughs> Red, but now it's brought to, brought to, brought to you by uh,
0: Lucas Arts, Lucas Arts and Arrowhead Water.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and serial killers starring Mike.
0: Uh, I, I do have th- another delusion question. Yes, because let's, because, let's get back to delusion. That's where it's yeah. pro- to promote. Fast <laughs> forwarding to this. No, the, the, Actually, <laughs> this was just... How, uh, and Mike and I have wanted to talk to you for a long time, so this the, the promotion thing was just a ruse to get you here to just so we can talk. Well,
3: I'm so. leaving. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm out of here.
2: Hey, come back.
3: Uh, oh. I'm back. Okay, fine sitting okay that was horrible
0: <laughs> the first half was good <laughs> oh, um do you remember the first time i met you um
1: is this about to get weird no okay <laughs> uh, this is
0: leading somewhere just trust me on this
3: <laughs> well yeah you've you've been around since the beginning I've, and i've seen you every year um oh where was it i don't remember it's, shit uh damn it wait give me a hint don't tell me exactly give me a hint. Tours. Tours? Oh, uh... Delusion. Was it... Oh, behind-the-scenes tours? That's
0: right. Oh, and this is 2012? And I, I... That's the first time I actually had a conversation with you because you were offering backstage tours... And I wanted to do that so badly because I was, I fell in love with delusion right from the first time I ever went through it. And when you were offering uh, the backstage tour and I showed up and nobody else showed up for that tour.
3: Okay. Now so I remember was, you weren't wearing any pants either, were you? So <laughs> No, that was after the tour. <laughs> it was a <the> tickle party.
1: <laughs> that was the real
3: TIP ticket. <laughs>
0: That's right. Welcome to the but party. that's the first <laughs> conversation. Yeah, <so. laughs> really, exactly. All right. No, so, but, but no, that was. You know f- what? I remember this now. So because no, you, that's right. Because I was working at the time with uh, Evil Twin. Yep. Yes. And you, right. you started talking to me of like, this is a show, and we have actors, and we like you. You were kind of talking to me like that, and I just said, "Hold on a 2nd okay. Like I, I've, I've actually done some hunting, and you just looked at me and went like seriously, and I said, "Yeah, seriously." He was like. Oh, in that case, dude, all right, come in. I'm going to point, and you just walk where I point. And <laughs> we had such a good time. because oh, man. You, that was one of the inspirational things about Delusion was going behind the scenes with you that night. You were so excited that I was excited, I think, to see what you were doing. So you, you're like just... You would you would leave me somewhere, and you'd put me, like, behind a wall or in a corner. And mm. you said, just stay right here. And literally, the audience was two feet away from me and never <laughs> yeah. saw me. And you kept doing <laughs> so that. so much fun. I had such a blast that night. And the it, that was the whole upstairs because there was a lot of wire work.
3: Oh, yeah. And that, and that was
0: the woman climbing down the wall. Yeah. Or uh, the narrow stairwell. That was that yeah, show. yeah, yeah. And so I just had a blast. And are you doing tours in the future
3: yeah we i so during the blue blade like uh i would i'd be there many nights and i would just like befriend some people and i'd be like you know if they, if they were cool and <laughs> i'd be like hey come on let's go <laughs> so i'd take people backstage yeah. and just that we'd run around but um that was you know few and far between but for that's part of the vip package so you know you buy the vip ticket and then um <clears throat> you're going backstage it's either going to be with myself or um one of the producers Jackie Jackie Crutterfield which I think you've met her yeah, before. Oh absolutely. Um they're both of you you know Jackie mm-hmm. yeah. So uh she she'll be running some of those um either her or myself or maybe one of the other uh, the other uh, leads of the of the production. But yeah, I mean this one is it's been fun. We've had some cuz this show there has been a couple paths towards the end and I won't spoil it but like um some people didn't get to do this one really cool, adventurous thing. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> And, um, so they're like, Oh, you got to do that. Cool. So I'll be like, Oh, you didn't get to do it. Ah, fuck it. Come on, come on back with me. So we'd go back yeah. and like in between the plays I'd take them in and they'd go, uh, you know, and enjoy that adventurous moment. Now that you mentioned that I, I, this is all coming back. And that's what I need. There's just so much shit happened in the past. It's like, um, I need that door to be opened. And then now I remember all this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like uh,
0: the other Mm -hmm. really cool thing memory I have is um, there, there was a wire stunt where somebody got dragged in that show. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. like between audience going through that room, you know, you introduced me to the actor and you kind of explained to me what was about to happen. And I'd been through the show. So I knew, I knew from the audience's perspective and I just remember you, Saying something to the actor, and the actor turning around going, Oh, like he's gonna watch. And the actor goes, Crank it up! (laughs) 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 Oh my god, I just remember this. I just remember this actor literally like. Flying two feet in front of me, just like through the darkness. Oh, I like a like,
3: dragon on the floor, and you yeah, was, you were yeah.
0: sitting on uh, one of the one of the rigs. Like he just went right yep. by your feet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
3: So yeah, I'm,
0: I was so happy to see that 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 was a possibility for the future that people would be able to have a chance because I think it's fascinating, and I also think it's educational and inspirational as well. And it was that was that for me, and uh, I'm so happy to hear that people will be able to purchase a ticket for that. Correct.
3: Yeah. Yes you can. Yes. Now you can do it.
0: I I highly recommend that experience. I thought it was an awesome glimpse behind the curtain.
3: I think a lot, We've had like a lot of VIP tickets bought for this spring so far, like a, a more than I thought. It's a, I guess people really want to want to do that stuff. Um it, it's yeah, it's super fun. It's hard to I mean, I get excited about bringing people through still, but it's it's hard for me to sort of I wish I could I wish I could be in their shoes. I wish I could be like I know nothing about this at all. Like and just come into this world and see all these cool shit, this cool shit that they created. And just, I wish I could have that kind of initial wonderment of this kind of thing. I I haven't had that. I haven't had that in a while. I think it's, I think for me the the inspirational thing is to see people come out of the show and then see their faces like that to me is like, okay, well, this is worth it. Like that, that's, that's when it's like all the trials and tribulations. Like that's when it becomes worth it. Mikey, you got anything?
1: Sorry, I got to wipe a tear away.
3: (laughs) Remember the intro you did? There's a man.
2: (laughs) It started it all. And he won't leave. (laughs) That's
3: true. This has been going on a very long time.
0: Uh, Actually, I don't know when we started. Two and a half hours. Uh, Oh, what? Mm -hmm. holy shit (laughs) balls. You can talk, dude.
3: (laughs) That's insane. I can. Wow. I'm Uh, sorry. I went on and on
0: and on. No, no. This is awesome. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, thank you so much for being so open and honest. And and, and, yeah, yeah, this is like the stories have been great.
1: Yeah. We have just a couple more and we'll let you go or play video games. There Uh, you go.
0: Yeah. A couple more questions and then we'll untie you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs)
3: Please, (laughs) please help me.
1: Um, So Russell, you had mentioned how how great the, the backstage tour was. And uh, John, earlier you mentioned like people like Justin Fix would hit you up asking about Delusion. Um, what sort of general advice would you give people that have the same questions? Or, you know, you can you can buy a ticket to see the backstage like Russell did, but as far as people that want to create something, what path would you send them on? Like what, what advice to, would you give them after knowing what you've known after after eight years and six, six different shows?
3: Uh, number one thing is, um, only do what uh, you really have your heart into. Like just, you gotta do it for me personally. Like I can't, at this point, I can't do anything if I'm, if my heart's not in it, know it and feel it. And if you have, if you have that passion for it, then, um, I mean, as trite as it sounds, like that's the only uh, what the fuck are we doing on this planet anyway I mean like how are you going to you going to do shit that's just going to that's mediocre and it's a waste of your time on this planet like do do what you really want to do and um yes that you have to pay bills and figure out a way to do that um but at the end of the day you know I've had that question before and sometimes yeah sometimes it'll work out sometimes it won't but um I found that if you If you just do, let's see, how do I put this? If you just do cool shit, other things come. Like, that's it. Just do cool shit and opportunities will present themselves. So don't think too far ahead. Just do like fun stuff that you think. I mean, I remember when I started this thing, as I said before, earlier in the podcast, I was like, I'm a fan of this stuff. Like, I know, okay, I knew in my heart, like people will enjoy this. This is something that, like that will I think will do well, and um, it's proven to 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 do well creatively and you know energetically if people are into it. Um, so yeah, I would say just just get involved with those things your heart's in. That's it. That's it. Oh, everything else is a waste of time. Unless you, okay, look, let's, let's go practical for a minute. Like if you have to do like a, you know, th- a two or three month job where you're totally, you know, really not into it, but just going to pay well, then just fucking do it. Like just cause you got to pay the bills, do it. But like, if I'm talking like long-term, like vision kind of stuff, like in your life, just try to stick to the things that you, you're, that you're really passionate about otherwise it's yeah, you'll just, you'll just, otherwise you'll be miserable. You'll just find yourself just being like, Oh God, it's miserable. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I know like sometimes life gets in the way, right? You just, you're really talented at something and you just, you hit a wall and you just can't progress. And then, um, you have to do something else. Like you get forced into it because you have to actually like buy food. That's it. That that's, that's like the main advice. I think the, uh, what would be other advice? Like, uh, I mean, besides that, that's really the, the, the best advice I can give. So.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: And steer clear of like a uh, sketchy podcast homes. <laughs> I'm getting a little scared. Of all the shit that's around me. You guys should come to Russell's house and see all these spiders hanging from the ceiling. He's got claws
1: in the wall.
0: There's like, Oh, I forgot about the claws. masks yeah. all over the place.
1: <laughs> and don't forget shit. the glitter spider web tablecloth. <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
3: It's Halloween all year here. There's a, there, there, there's, there is definitely a body in here. There is a body in this house. Cop, what's the address again? But you'll never find it. <laughs> okay, that's fine.
1: Or be able to tell anyone about it. <laughs> my life has been threatened
3: so many times tonight. It's a good thing we didn't record this at my place. Jesus. <laughs>
1: oh Uh, shit and that's the end actually one more question speaking of trick-or-treating Russell you want to take this
0: Uh, (gasps) this is uh, a question that we ask every guest on the podcast and it is how we sort of gauge the essence of your soul as a human being oh shit so are you team (gasps) Snickers or are you team Kit Kat Kit Kat (laughs) (laughs) Mike (laughs) is disappointed in you
3: (laughs) I I mean I love Snickers to death, but oh my god I love Kit Kat.
0: Kit- and there there are a few of the the only this seasonal so Red Velvet, which I personally am not a huge fan of. No. But... Yeah, but
1: Red Velvet, the K-pop group, is awesome, and they're playing in Pasadena in February. <gasps> oh, that's an name. Do of you the have Stub your tickets band? yet? No, it's sold out instantly. Oh. I'm going to look on StubHub the day oh. of.
2: Okay. <laughs> this uh, is
3: so sweet. Now it's brought to you by Kit Kat. Listen to the crunch. You hear
0: that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. So uh, do you Can need I more? You, yeah, yes, feel free. Of course. That is yeah. great. That's very sweet. So yeah, I'm more team Kit Kat, and Mike is more team Snickers. So uh, do you need I'm anything sorry, else Mike. to drink, sir? By the way, since we have a, no, a brief water's... moment. Perfect. Okay, great.
1: But he is eating a Snickers right yeah. now. So just i just saying, I do love Snickers.
0: All right, I'm gonna break up a Kit Kat. Uh, so what does that? Wait,
3: backing up a bit. What does that mean? If I'm a Kit Kat. Is it just because I align more with you, Russell, <laughs> than I do Mike, or oh, is it, does it mean something like deeper than that? It,
0: it, it became this conversation that happened um, where I said something about something on the podcast, and Mike was stunned that I would prefer Kit Kat over Snickers. I believe is the way it started, and I just I think Kit Kat is a more delicate, graceful, less heavy-handed snack than Snickers, which is so sugary and in your face. And I just thought it was a more, I don't know, well, classy snack.
3: <laughs> well, everything you're saying is that's true. I mean, it is a more delicate wafer. It's wafer. You're talking about wafers. Yeah, it's, anyway. a, it's a yes. cookie.
1: It's not a candy bar. So, well, th- and
0: that was his argument. I and guess, then suddenly yeah. people started communicating, it like messaging us, <laughs> and like weighing in on this. And so it be, it became a question we always ask because. We're always surprised. Sometimes we have not. We have never had anyone refuse, which uh, that hasn't happened yet. We haven't had anyone say either. We have had one person say that they're actually Team Twix, so which is oh, legitimate. Oh shit! So I do, do you have
3: a Twix that, in here, but too? that's not. No, I do not have. That's any not tricks. an answer. God damn it! Yeah,
0: Twix. Oh, I
1: do love Twix. It, and don't forget the sandwich that was made by Noah Sinclair.
3: Oh, that's true. Oh, a yeah, Snickers Twic, uh, Kit Kat sandwich? Yeah, yes. <laughs> He's
0: like, I'm going to do both. Yeah, can't we have all? Um, no, you got to make a choice, man. You can't no. like,
3: oh, I like everything.
0: Uh, all right, now that we've digressed a little bit, uh, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier in the podcast and just ask you this question. As a stunt person, you've been a stunt coordinator, stunt performer. Do you have a favorite Jackie Chan sequence?
3: Oh, yeah. Um, well, there's Arm of God 2. In, uh, and Drunken Master 2. But uh, I think the greatest... Well, no. Uh, there's there's two. I'd say Drunken Master 2, mm-hmm. the final fight sequence in Drunken Master 2. People need to... Every, everybody needs to see that. It's a work of art. Um, it took five months to shoot. Oh, my God. I was way off. Sorry, five weeks. Jesus. Five oh. months would be too long. But five weeks to shoot this, which is a long time. Um, so Drunken Master 2, badass. And then uh, First Strike... Uh, it was a movie, Jackie Chan movie, where he did a whole fight sequence with a
0: ladder. I don't
3: know if you remember, it, I have his, seen his that fold fight up sequence. ladder,
0: but I don't think I've seen the whole film. I, I know the sequence you're talking about. It was about. Australian it, it. It. it took place in Australia, yeah.
3: That was badass. Cause, uh, and then I worked with the stunt coordinator who worked on that movie, so I was a big fan of that. Um, he, uh, he did a bunch of fights with Jackie and everything. I never got to work with Jackie, but yeah. Watch Drunken Master 2. Mm hmm. Final fight sequence. It's incredible.
0: And I, I'm I'm going to throw out. It's like I think for his comedy, Project A Part Two. A project is badass. The the apartment sequence, which is basically a bedroom farce. It's an action comedy, and then suddenly there is this one sequence where the the running gag is how many people can you hide in an apartment from each other. And I, I just think it's a brilliant comedy sequence. And Operation Condor.
3: Operation Condor. Well, Operation Condor is, is Armor of God. Yes. two. That's that's the that's the same movie. <laughs> yeah, so that it, was the American the, title. It, that's the American Having name. Stickers, the wind the, Thanks, the
0: wind tunnel sequence.
3: Yes. Oh, I just watched that last night. Okay, so I I uh well, one no, two nights ago, my, my assistant director Victor came over and we were working on the trailer that, that came out today. And we took a break and we watched the wind tunnel sequence in Armor of God, too. Yeah. Have you seen so, this, Mike? No. Dude, this is crazy. Which that shit. was at the that's crazy time. Shit.
0: It's it's not the wind tunnel, but the whole weird teeter totter sequence yeah. that's in that film mm-hmm. at that time apparently was the largest set ever built for that country. Oh yeah, and the wind tunnel sequence I think took a month and a half to shoot, if I remember correctly. And it, it it's stunningly choreographed. It's just it's an amazing yeah. comedy action sequence. Oh
3: super, yeah, that that really put them on the. On the map. Yeah, I think that was the most expensive Chinese film, action film. Like oh, its all time massive! It was his. It, that was his Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, that was.
0: You, you got to see this movie.
3: It's it's huh. crazy. That's a crazy fun movie.
0: Uh, and the other the other thing, please tell Mike that he has to see The Killer and Hard Boiled by John Woo. You like um, John Woo stuff?
1: <laughs> I I don't know. I. I think I've seen one or two of his movies, but I'm not. I'm not the film guy that Russell is when it comes to names and stuff. I just see stuff. And
3: yeah. Well, that's good because you inspire Russell to play these games. Yeah. And then he can bring you to. So you guys have a. Yeah, you guys have a really sweet relationship. Where did this? How did you guys meet?
1: Well, it's the first scare la at a the blackout meetup.
3: The blackout meetup, and that's where this whole podcast kind
1: of started. Is this? No, the the podcast started because I became friends with him and we ended up going to a bunch of haunts and stuff together. And then after the haunts, Russell would talk for an hour or two about what he just went through while I'm there going like, okay, dude, okay. But then I thought about, I was like, wait a minute, these conversations are actually really cool. There's podcasts now. I bet other people would would be into hearing this that didn't get to go through it. And then Mm -hmm. that's kind of, I brought the idea up to him and he's like, what's that? (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's awesome oh that's super cool and that was when was that the to first year, 2013 yeah Oh, that's wild
0: and it has uh, opened up a lot of friendships I mean we've met people because of the podcast and you know people reach out to us from other cities and you know I you know I'm now becoming friends with people in different areas of the country just by communicating and it all started with them hearing this or reaching out and asking questions and so, I mean, you know, it was Mike's suggestion when he first suggested it. I, I was like, okay, sure. It sounds like it could be interesting. I don't know if people would be interested, but what we found out is people around us were hearing our conversation and asking more questions about it. And I think that was part of the inspiration too. So, well, so yeah, yeah you it's guys got it's, a good thing going. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah. and That's And it awesome. also has, to be totally honest, led to the opportunity to meet and talk to people like you more than we would at fun. at delusion some night for five minutes after we run through the show yeah i can't talk to anybody <laughs> when i'm at the show <laughs> i apologize if I ever,
3: when i'm at the show and i see i'm like oh hey how you doing I just, I'm, yeah but it's good it's good to hang and, and chat about this stuff because yeah this whole podcast world is fun this has been fun this, has been, fun. this has been a lot of fun yeah, cool. so thank thanks you. for inviting me i in. really enjoyed it and thanks for the candy and uh thank you for the wine yeah and I hope I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not it a red guy, but you know, you you. This is your second class, so yes. So it's good. <laughs> it's not finished yet. So cheers, guys! Cheers! Cheers!
1: Of course, we get the clunk. Yeah. Um. So just one, I guess, one last comment slash question. But do you have any last words? I, I that came words. out that came Shit. out wrong. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you have any? This is for. <laughs> 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 Do you have any final thoughts or shout outs or anything, any information Dude, you want you're out? Like we Wanna be a serial killer.
3: <laughs> Not um, wannabe. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. That was funny. Hey, okay. Well, number one is if you listen to this entire episode of My Haunt Life <laughs> and you're a fucking champ, you're a champion. Thank you for enduring our, our banter and for my. M- diatribes that would just go on and on um and then i would i would just end with um if you're i mean if you've if you've been to delusion or you've never been um i assume a lot of people who have listened to this probably have been to the show already uh i would say we're leaving this in your hands right now to um to help decide the future of this kind of entertainment so let's band together and go on adventures together and really like bring in friends. So tell us like Russell was doing, you know, with your friends, you, Russell, you've been great about dragging in people that would normally not do this. Uh, everybody listening, let's just push your friends and tell them. This is not just something, this is not just a pastime. It's, it's fun. It's super fun. It's great, but it's going to endure and it's going to affect, I think it will affect, it affects people's lives. I think in grander ways than I ever even imagined. You know, we've had marriages come from this. We've had, um, other stories come from this and inspiration you know like you were saying Mike about like other uh shows and that have spawned from from this kind of thing so there is something grander in in what we're doing and uh the the is, as we call them are a big part of that so keep it up and communication god I have such a sweet tooth i'm going to have one more kickcap before i go
0: thank you very much thank you so much for telling the stories sharing everything you have uh, best of luck no go ahead unwrap the candy oh well, you're talking it'd be <laughs> rude you know, people are going to hear like wrap 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 go ahead you it. no, it no thank you so much for coming out and talking we really appreciate it this has been thank a you, pleasure Bob. thanks
3: guys yeah, me thank too you. me too I appreciate it
0: now eat the candy <laughs>
3: do you have
1: any other voices you want to try before you leave
3: I do do a few voices um, um, I got my old man Simpson voice you know, from the, uh, what was it? He does that one line, um. And in those days, Nichols had pictures of bumblebees on him. <laughs> Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. No, that's, <laughs> that's my old man's voice. Um, oh, what's the, uh, Barney Simpson? What's that one where this, he's in, he's at the film festival for, for Mr. Burns and some woman's next to him. She's like, does something crawl in your throat and die? You <laughs> <It> didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on and on. We should probably end this. <laughs> but Yeah. I, I love voiceover work. I'm super fun. That's it. That's all, all you right. get
1: later. See ya. <laughs> Bye. So again, we just wanted to thank John for coming in and answering our questions and not running at the sight of what, well, you know what? Never mind. Uh, the point <laughs> is he, he just left, uh, he made it to his car safely. Pinky swear. Uh, and he's on his way home. Um, But in all seriousness, thank you so much to John. And I'm so excited to check out the director's cut of the Blue Blade.
0: Yeah, it's just this was cool. Uh, He is such an inspirational person. And I've really enjoyed talking with him tonight.
1: Yeah, this was awesome.
0: Yeah. So thank you to John for coming out. Thank you for listening. I know it was a long one.
1: And to get more information on the Blue Blade and Delusion in general, go to enterdelusion.com. And on Facebook... Instagram and Twitter. Also, find them at Enter Delusion.
2: So,
0: I guess that wraps it up, Mike.
1: Yep. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Get out. Mm. We're done for now. Mm. I think we should all talk like this the whole podcast. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Hey, Mikey.
3: I feel like being called Mikey. (laughs)
1: you're the guest So you, oh,
3: you do you okay jeff i, can't, I,
0: can't. I can guarantee you he's been called worse
3: with a j yeah. or a g yeah oh, oh no no g's around here we don't do the g's huh? russell's a
1: g ah oh, gee he's an og Oh, shit. oh. <laughs> this, is, this is how it's gonna go the rest of the yeah. night this is exciting let's do this